Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. back ladies and gentlemen to a brand new episode of the film stage show the review podcast for the filmstage.com as always i'm your host brian j rowan with me today we have robin Barr, daddy milk god damn it and we also have with us a very special guest to help us talk about Saltburn, the newest film from writer director emerald fennel and that is katherine corrigan i'm happy to be here and i'm happy to uh Share my unabashed enthusiasm for this deranged little film. <laughs> All right. And we've already infuriated half of our listening audience because this film <laughs> is divisive and we are here to talk about it. And I'm so excited for it. Um, Robin, would you like to give context as to who our illustrious guest is and why she's yes. here? <laughs> so Catherine is a very special guest. Um, I've known her since uh, probably, well, it's been 20 years. Um yeah. <laughs> We met uh, first semester of 10th grade when I moved to a new town and Catherine was one of the first friends I made. One of the reasons I wanted to have her on is because Catherine, um, and you can certainly speak for yourself, you know, when you get to that, but Catherine is not a professional film critic, although she's um, a huge film buff and pop culture expert. Um, And I had this idea that, you know, because so many people who are, extremely enthusiastic about Saltburn and kind of creating this foment, uh, you know, around the movie is uh, people who are not history or not writing about film. Um, you know, most of the people who I've heard talk about Saltburn in like the real world are people I would describe as touching grass, you know, not <laughs> film online film people or Twitter not people who or, are know. being yelled at to touch grass people who on a day yes basis people who are actually touching actually grass, touch the grass. Gotcha. <laughs> like yeah. i've had so many coworkers be like have you seen saltburn or and i'm like oh like i you know see it like i want to know what you think about it but yeah it's i would call it quote unquote the normie contingent i wouldn't typically describe Catherine as a normie um because <laughs> she's not exactly like um uh, a minivan mom or anything like that you know she's she's one of us people um but she's not so cynical about movies that she was like turned off by by saltburn and i really wanted to get that perspective for this episode because you know brian and i are such assholes and raging cynics most we're of the eclectic time. and we need someone who's on a baseline yeah we <laughs> need the uh we need somebody who represents a certain demographic here and i thought Catherine would be wonderful so um i hope she i hope everybody will welcome Catherine for this episode Catherine, how do you feel about being described in the way robin just did <laughs> no i mean i i think it's an entirely fair uh descriptor i i definitely i am not a professional i have never written a professional film review i am a very abashed film lover that being said i will not deny that my tastes can be a little bit more I, the, the word that I used when I was thinking about this ahead of time was, I know that I like trashy things sometimes. I'm not ashamed <laughs> of this. I, and when I say, like, I love movies, I very sincerely love movies. And that includes 
you know, very awards bait um, films. I know every year uh, I host a, a live thread of the Oscars that every year I have invited Robin to on Facebook, which. Oh, it's the most fun night of the year. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great little time capsule if you want to see live reactions to like the Moonlight snafu and things like that. <laughs> um, a lot of screaming in text. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. The the reaction to Green Book winning, all sorts of delightful moments preserved on <laughs> Facebook. But when, so when I say I love film, I do mean things like that. But I also do mean things that are genuinely kind of trashy, kind of deranged. Like I have seen trauma movies projected on the back of a diner that was later featured on Kitchen Nightmares. True story. <laughs> uh Tommy Wiseau made fun of me to my face once at a screening <laughs> of the room. So like, I genuinely, um, I consider myself someone who appreciates low art as well as high art, I guess, um, which is, I think, an interesting place to meet when it comes to something like Saltburn. Yeah. Yeah. Very good description. All right. Well, before we get into our review of Saltburn, all the usual stuff, you can email us podcast at filmstage.com. Follow us on Twitter at Filmstage Show, Facebook, The Filmstage Show. And of course, give us a comment and rating on whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us. And don't forget to go to patreon.com slash the Filmstage Show for as little as $1 episode. You get access to our super cool Slack channel where everyone's talking all the time, constantly about all kinds of things. And, um, I can't even remember. What was the thing that was going on in there today? I think someone said New York pizza was terrible. And I just. Oh, yeah. Off. But they, they <laughs> loved Costco pizza, but not New York. Which, okay, fine. I get it. Like, there's also lots of good regional pizza. But let me tell you, Costco ain't one of them. It's just not. I Look, Costco pizza is not bad in comparison to other large national chain pizzas. But it's not like life-changing pizza. Anyway. I don't know, man. I. <laughs> See, I'm not saying it's better than Domino's, but because I would it also is 100% at, better than Domino's. Just listen. Domino's is not pizza. Domino's is Domino's. It is in a category unto itself. So you're saying Domino's is the Taco Bell of Italian food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I was going to choose between Domino's and Costco pizza, I'd choose Domino's. But but there, it's like apples and oranges. One is pizza and one is Domino's. It's not pizza. It's Domino's. That should yeah, be their new exactly. title. Um, yeah, anyway, exactly. well, if you'd like to become a part of weird ass conversations like this, go to patreon.com slash the film state show. Um, we're also brought to you, of course, by movie curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe from iconic directors to emerging auteurs. There's always something new to discover with movie. Each and every film is hand selected so you can explore the best of cinema streaming anytime, anywhere. Uh, I wanted to highlight two things. First, we have fallen leaves. This is a movie exclusive platform release that hit this weekend. In modern day Helsinki, Ansa and Holopa, I think I said that correctly, two lonely souls in search of their first love meet by chance in the local karaoke bar. However, the pair's path to happiness is beset by numerous obstacles from lost phone numbers to mistaken addresses, alcoholism, and a charming stray dog. So that's fun. Check out that. Heard great things. Looking forward to seeing it. And yeah, now it's, one of the big, uh, it's like one of the big players this year in terms of, you know, top 10 lists and stuff. Yeah. I keep getting it m mixed up with that other movie about falling things. The um, anatomy of a fall. Oh, totally different. Completely different films. Absolutely different. If I turned on one expecting the other, I feel like I would be very distraught. Um, and I want to, I want to bring up this film. 
It's called Pieces of April. It's from 2003. Oh, this is part Thanksgiving of, movie. This is part of their festival focus Sundance uh, special program. Quirky and rebellious, April Burns lives with her boyfriend in a low-rent New York City apartment miles away from her emotionally distant family. But when she discovers that her mother has a fatal form of breast cancer, she invites the whole clan to her place for a most chaotic Thanksgiving. That is pieces. I believe of this April. did get an Oscar nomination for Patricia. What the fuck her name is? Clarkson. <laughs> what did you say? Clarkson. Yes, thank you. I was like, it's with the C. <laughs> I think they they filmed a little bit of that movie in our hometown. Like at the Krispy Kreme, <gasps> I think. They did. Yes, yes. It is partially filmed in East Meadow. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that, that and I did watch it in East Meadow. Yeah, and this uh, further says after screenwriting success with Rutz eating Gilbert Grape, Peter Hedges won a special jury prize at Sundance for his directorial debut. Peppered <laughs> with the vivacious wit of Patricia Clarkson's deliciously mordant performance, dysfunction crackles between characters in this meaty ensemble drama. Mm, crackling dysfunction. Mm, I love crackling. Um, it's shocking to me that neither of these little blurbs mention the fact that Katie Holmes is the star of this. Yeah, I mean, she's Oliver even in Platt. the title. Mighty have fallen. <laughs> yeah, Oliver Platt, Derek Luke, who's awesome. No, I don't want to jump into this if no one's going to be able to follow me. No one on this podcast watched AP Bio, right? I've no. heard of it. All right, never mind. I'm not going to bring it up then. Let's move on. Oh, wait. Let me remind people that you could get a 30-day free trial of movie by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. That's movie.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial. All right. Uh, it's been a while since we've been in your ears. Um, Robin, how are you doing? Great. Um, I wanted to do a quick tangent about a movie that my husband and I watched this weekend. It's very quick. Okay. So he was like, I'm in the mood for like a in a 90s adventure film. He's like, let's watch uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thebes. I said, okay, I've never seen it. It's got a terrible reputation being considered one of the, probably the worst movies of the early 90s. And let me tell you, it was fun as fuck. Like, I've heard that. We... We're thoroughly enjoying this movie. It's a little saggy in the middle, but you know, there was not a moment where I picked up my phone really um, out of boredom. It was just, you know, it's not like a smart movie, but it certainly sucks you in. I can't say that like, oh, there's like a great performance in it. You know, maybe Alan Rickman is pretty good, but like, it's just, every, it's like everybody's on point. You know, everybody knows what they're doing. There's Morgan Freeman, there's Kevin Costner, there's Christian Slater. Um, there's like a fucking witch who's just like being creepy. It's got great special effects, practical effects. You know, it's not like sludgy with all the CGI. It feels like a real movie. Is it, should it be two, two and a half hours? I don't know about that, but like it, it has a far worse reputation than my experience of the movie. It was really fun and yeah. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And it's got that great song at the end too, right? Yes, which we had no idea that song was even related to it. It's like, everything I do, I do for you, whatever. Um, we were like, huh, we know this song. So it's it's got a legacy, I guess. Wait, so it's Alan Rickman is insane in this movie. 
Oh, you know what's weird? You know what's weird? That isn't even the song that I was thinking of. I totally forgot that that it's was not the Kiss song. from a Rose. No, I know it's not Kiss from a Rose. No, I was thinking of All for Love. I don't know what that from is. the Three Musketeers with it was oh. Brian Adams and like oh. two other people. He's really got a niche, huh? Um, Rod Stewart and Sting. Brian Adams, Rod Stewart, and Sting <laughs> are the Three Musketeers of the song All for Love. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah, I've no, I was, one. I was like different Brian Adams song. Is he dead? Why isn't he still around? I don't know. I think he's supposed to be. A... No, that's Ryan Adams. Supposed Ryan to be. Adams is the one who's apparently terrible. Okay. Yeah. Um, I also will say that I have seen Robin Hood Men in Tights many times as a child, yep. and they are essentially the same movie. I admit, like, when you started Robin talking, Hood. I thought you meant Robin Hood Men in Tights, uh -oh. and you're like. <laughs> I was, I was very confused that you're like, people hated this. People thought it was terrible. And I'm like, really? I thought people loved them. Yeah, you were like 90s action movie Robin Hood. And I was like, right, Men in Tights. And you're like, Prince right. of Thieves. And I was like, Costner? Not yes, Jules? Um, Men in Tights, the movie where I learned what a chastity belt was. <laughs> um, no, it really is the key to the greatest treasure in all the land. Anyway. Men in Tights, I mean, uh, Prince of Thieves is like, just like a fun, dumb movie with good effects and Alan Rickman, who takes all the energy that he should have put into Severus Snape and instead is just totally wackadoodle in this film. And it, that was enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I will also take this moment to go on a short tangent. One of the things I haven't seen any movies outside of the one we're about to talk about, um, but a, a movie-related thing that I have been loving, right, is the fact that people were like, this Mean Girls movie that was released is a musical? <laughs> and everyone is confused, and everyone's like, why didn't they tell people this was a musical? And I think the reason is because the music in the movie is terrible, and all of the people who like the musical hate the movie version. And so oh. my, the, my guilty pleasure has been just going around TikTok because someone created a sound that's just cutting from a verse from the original stage musical to the same verse sung by Angori Rice in the movie. Ooh. And it's nothing but theater kids who are acting out what it sounds like for the stage musical and then the catatonic like relation that they have to what mm. Angori Rice is doing. And it is the difference between like fun bubblegum pop rocks nonsense and a girl who sounds as though she may be being tortured on a cold mountain it's... i would say that she was my least favorite performance in that movie she's just like katie is not like the most interesting character but she she is dynamic and i'm just not a huge fan of rice so so did you saw you saw the musical oh i saw it wow um i'm one wow. of the few people that was like oh that was fun that was solid like I'm not going into it thinking oh it's gonna be like this life-changing experience you know um I like Renee Rapp in it I think um the I forget the actor's name um I'm gonna be I just can't pronounce correctly but like the woman who played Moana plays <laughs> Janice in this and she's fantastic and there's just enough differences between the first film and this where like character differences you're like okay like this is kind of doing its own thing but you really have to get to the second half to kind of see that uh -huh. and i didn't think the music was that bad but i will say that in general audiences when they know something is a musical they reject it like so a lot of these new musicals like color purple wonka mean girls like 
their advertising has really kept the musical aspect pretty quiet but, because they think they can pull more viewers in. But that's insane. Like, like the the Greatest Showman told people it was going to be a musical, and that movie made like a hundred million dollars. Yeah, and but these movies are getting trounced because people are coming out being like, "Did you know that was a musical?" And it's fucking terrible. Trounced, you know, in terms of the box office or oh i haven't even looked up the box office i don't know okay All I know mean is... girls has done well wonka's a huge hit wonka's uh, a huge Purple. hit but people are like why but people are like annoyed that they didn't say it was a musical like they're like i would have been even more enthusiastic doesn't matter we got your money i don't know it's got weird money. but it has been that was terrible i have not seen wonka i didn't i like i i went I, the only movie that i've seen non for this podcast over the course of this current year uh was a movie i went to with a friend of mine and she was like we could go see wonka and i was like uh can we is like literally is there anything else i will i will rewatch a movie to not have to see wonka and that's how i went and saw anyone but you which was delightful i know that you love glenn powell i love glenn powell yeah i don't even know what the name of the female lead in that movie is i was just there for glenn what sydney sweeney sure whatever the girl standing mm -hmm. next to glenn powell that's how i think of her how very homoerotic for you, which leads Speaking us into of. the discussion of the film. <laughs> Speaking of Euphoria stars. Yeah. Oh, is <laughs> one of these people in Euphoria? Jacob Elordi. Elordi? Uh, I think it's Elordi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, the the same thing that tall <laughs> that, that short girls say when they see him is Elordi. Anyway, um, that was a terrible oh, joke, boy. and I fully apologize. <laughs> That could have been more of an Elvis joke if you played that right. Oh, Lordy. No, I don't think I could have. Um, I don't think there's any way to actually pull that joke off. It's a joke that everyone's thought of, but no one's ever had the courage to fail at have before. Have they? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Let's talk about Saltburn, I guess. Um, this is the newest film from writer-director Emerald Fennell, who previously did Promising Young Woman. This movie stars Barry Keoghan. Anyone going to challenge me on that? Yogan, I think. Yogan. Right. We were told by Cassidy Olson, who is a guest who lives in Ireland, that it is Keoghan. All right, cool. I don't. I have a recollection of that, but I couldn't remember what she told me. Um, and then also Rosamund Pike, amongst many others. And uh, we're here to talk about it. Here is the here is the IMDb uh, synopsis. A student at Oxford University finds himself drawn into the world of a charming and aristocratic classmate who invites him to his eccentric family's sprawling estate for a summer never to be forgotten. I guess that's right, in a way. Anyway, here's part of the trailer for Saltburn. Did you know there was a college Christmas party tonight? NFI, me and you. Not fucking invited. You all right? Yeah, I've got a flat tire. Take my bike. Hey, that is so kind. Thank you. I'm sorry I don't know your name. I'm uh, I'm Felix. Oliver. Oliver. <laughs> Oliver, I love you. I love yeah. I love you. My cheers, Ollie! My parents, they've got problems. What kind of? What do you mean, problems? I don't think I'll ever go home again. Well, why don't you come home with me? Come to Saltburn. All right, that is part of the trailer for Saltburn. This movie... Um, theaters also presently on prime it's got some awards attention we are here to talk about it so let's do that uh we begin as always with our nutshell thoughts and we begin with our guest Catherine. what did you think 
in a roundabout nutshell way of Saltburn. I personally loved it very much, but I would not necessarily recommend it to everyone. It is certainly not a film that everyone is going to love. All right. Robin Barr. This is a movie that had to earn my like. Um, I think for me, and I'll get into this later, it starts off a little bit like, oh, this is so dumb, this is so dumb, this is so dumb. And it remains dumb, but it's but it starts to endear itself to me. And then literally by the last scene, I'm like, three out of four stars. Like, you got this. You hooked me. Um, so really, it <laughs> had to grow on me. Um, I will take an opposite opinion as Catherine, whereas I was probably less enthusiastic enthusiastic about it overall than she is. It's a movie I'm telling everybody to see, regardless of whether I think they'll like it or not. I just think it has to be seen. It is it is provocative and evocative. And I don't know, maybe I'm just like an agent of chaos and I just want people to be shooketh by it. <laughs> um, I think this is not a movie you have to see. I think this is super boring. <laughs> I don't know. I Like, it, it's provocative. In the way that, like, your friend whipping his dick out at Thanksgiving and using a <laughs> racial slur is provocative. It's not, like, thought-provoking provocative. It's just, like, why is this asshole doing this provocative? It's, it's, it's bad. It's not fun. It's nothing. It's so, it's such a fucking waste of time. And I was mad at the end when it gets to this point where it's, like, trying to play off like a reveal and it's like no shit i'm was i not supposed to know all of this the whole movie <laughs> are you fucking kidding me it's like if a magician put a fucking paper clip on the card that you pulled out and then did a bunch <laughs> of hand waving stuff and then just pulled out the card with the paper clip and it was like is this your card and it's like oh there's not like a turn here you're not gonna, it's not gonna be like a card that actually has my driver's license attached to it somehow. You're literally just that bad at this. This movie yeah, that's what I liked fucking about it. sucked. I'm sorry. It was so boring. It was so empty and hollow, and the characters are nothing. And I was looking forward to this because I'm like, is if if this movie is causing this much strife amongst the people. There must be something to it. Like, at least it'll be awful. Like, I don't I don't know. I just wasn't expecting to be this bored and this flabbergasted. And this goddamn... <laughs> you got like, annoyed. God. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, did. <you> <laughs> it's not even, it's not even <laughs> like when I'm watching something like Queen of Earth or Listen Up, Philip, or any other Alex Ross Perry film where I feel like personally offended this movie just like turned me off and made me feel like I couldn't understand a single person who had any reaction to it ever it's it's so bad it's so boring it's so poor Catherine she unengaging. thought it was just gonna be a one sentence nutshell thought <laughs> Oh man! Don't well, my mine was a <laughs> yours was a sunflower seed, and mine was a walnut. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I'm sure as we talk more about it, 
We'll talk more about it. I don't know. I don't even fucking know. Um, but yeah, Catherine, what's your response to everything you've heard at this point? Um, okay, so I in I think this is going to be an interesting discussion because I'm not, definitely not someone who saw this, loved it, and I'm like, this is flawless. Everything is perfect. <laughs> none of it, none of it is in any way dumb. Because I will agree with you. <laughs> Uh, that I thought there were aspects of this that were very dumb. That being said, I am, as gen- generally, I am kinder to things that I feel like are taking a big swing as opposed to, like, stale perfection, I think. Mm. Um, and I feel like this is trying to take that big swing. Whether or not it succeeds, obviously up to the opinions of specific people. But I wouldn't say, like, oh, yeah, there was nothing about the reveal that was kind of dumb. No, I, I understand. I, I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> that being said, I, I think I weight certain things higher. I did like the characters. I liked the acting. I'm also a sucker for good visuals which i feel like this movie had in spades it's fucking gorgeous yeah no it's a beautiful movie i'm also admittedly and i mean this is this is very much a me thing as opposed to general opinions i am a sucker for a story about like uh, someone whose emotions are so big and so large that they cannot help but cause chaos like My favorite television show that is currently airing is Interview with the Vampire. I met like (laughs) half my friends because we all liked the show Hannibal. So this is like Hannibal rules. Hannibal's amazing. Okay, but that means that you can't like this movie because Hannibal is good. (laughs) And like you, you like just you saying like someone whose emotions are so big that they can't help but ruin everything. Are you? You have to be talking about Felix, right? Because Oliver is a shit fucking terrible character who swings wildly between absolutely dead-eyed and chaotically unable to control himself. That's I... a beautiful performance to me. Oh like, my fucking God. I think Barry Keoghan is amazing in this movie. I think yeah. he is deeply underserved by a script that's like, he's poor underline (laughs) question mark we've done it that's it that's the character he low-key wants to fuck literally every human being around him (laughs) nothing matters he's not particularly smart or crafty or clever he's just surrounded by fucking morons yes but also (laughs) (laughs) like no i I don't disagree i (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, there is not a single, the only character other than, I think, to some extent, Oliver, that has any brains is Farley, um, the character played by Archie Medeque, the, the cousin. Yeah. Um, oh, everyone wow, else. So annoying. He's the you, only one who's got any brains because he's American, USA, I, USA. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, I, I like 100% I'm like, he's American because he's the only one who can see through this because the actor Archie Medeque is not American. So that was a choice. Ah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that was 100% a choice as he's the only one who He's used sees... to social climbers and con men and chameleons because that's what America is, baby. <laughs> I guess just... we should just full out we're in spoilers now because it's really hard to talk about this movie. This is a very difficult movie to talk about without getting into spoilers, especially because, again, what I thought was text like understood (laughs) at the end of the movie and then i'm like oh this is just him explaining it to this woman who's a moron but then the movie starts doing flashbacks 
Like, oh, I'm supposed to not know this? That's... A lot of people didn't, though. That's a lot of people like, a... eat a lead people... chips. I don't know. <laughs> like, well, I eat chips. Lead chips. Oh, what? Is... Oh, like paint chips? Like, yes. Oh. I don't oh, know. True, I guess. <laughs> don't, <laughs> like, Robin, I don't. Chips. <laughs> don't review that for your Instagram, Robin, please. <laughs> <laughs> These lead chips. I don't think are, they put lead exactly in paint like anymore. Well, they don't. But if you live in an old apartment, um, you're still. Oh no! When I when I got new windows put in my house, I had to leave because they did the test and they're like, "Yeah, there's lead in the like paint 14 layers down in your 104 year old house." So what did they do about it? Uh, they they like had to like do extra precautions about like making sure to clean up and like put plastic around the thing so when they were popping out the old windows they didn't like spread lead dust around my house oh hmm. yep anyway well, so we want to do spoilers so is that what we um yeah let's just so i would say let's do spoilers because we're getting to the epilogue at this point and we should point we should decidedly point out that the character of oliver quick who we know is manipulative throughout the movie is possibly is revealed, quote unquote, to be more manipulative than some viewers might have thought. He calculated the downfall of an entire noble family so that he could inherit their bride's head like a state. And we and the flashbacks that Brian's talking about are just seeing from the Oliver perspective things that he did as part of this long con, which again some viewers, including Brian and, and including myself to some degree, um, kind of suspected that he was uh, maybe not as uh, innocent or naive as he was proclaiming. That being said, there are some viewers who were taken aback by how um, how far back this con went. And I bet they think know, there's a quarter in their ear, the too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I just like, um, it's so obvious. Like he sexually assaults someone and then the next day they're accused of being an art thief. And it's like, okay, duh. Like he did that. And he yeah, talks to someone. that was obvious too. But was it obvious that he, given that he has a sexual obsession with um, Felix's character played by Jacob Elordi, who's this scion of a, you know, a sort of idiotic noble family did you suspect that he was also behind that guy's murder? Oh my fucking God, 100%. The second that he walked up on him in the middle of that maze that has a fucking giant minotaur statue in the middle of it, I was like, oh, he's going to murder him. And then when he left and the guy was alive, I was like, oh, he's not going to murder him. And then the next day I was like, oh, he's dead. And I was like, right, because he murdered him. Like, <laughs> yes, of course he fucking murdered him. And then when his sister, quote unquote, commits suicide in the bathtub, I was like, oh, because Oliver murdered her. I will but say, I don't, he, he didn't murder her. He, I think he, he left gently her. coerced her into suicide. Yeah, he left the razor blades. And because he knew she was like mental, had mental health issues because she was bulimic and all these other things, uh, seemed to know that she might wake up after getting wildly drunk after her brother's death, that she might. Oh, so you read that as her actually committing suicide, not him coming in and being yes. like, look what I'm going to do. 
Yes, because like, I mean, number one, you never see him actually use them on her. You just see him leave them there. And the way the blood is like flowing out of the bathtub, there would, there's no spot for a person to be. And honestly, I find that colder because like, I think, I mean, murder is a terrible thing. Um, but pushing a mentally ill person to hurt themselves feels even worse for reasons I'm not sure I can adequately explain. Well, it's um, like that case in Massachusetts where this girl, you know, was was tried for essentially coaxing her boyfriend into killing himself. And yet oh, she wasn't yeah. the one that shot him or whatever he did. But she kept telling she, him to get back in the car that he was flooding with carbon monoxide. Yeah, she she was the one sort of coaching him. This is yeah. obviously a little bit different, but similarly, I mean, I agree with Catherine that it's almost like a little bit worse in a way. Especially because also she didn't do anything to him. Not really. Like, I, I understand that Felix knew more information that Felix was dead the second he said, oh, I'm not telling the family tonight what you did. Um, but what, you know, what threat was the sister really? Well, the only threat she is is just being um, an heir to this fortune that he's trying to commandeer. Yeah, no, and I think I think like uh, that's honestly the the more abhorrent thing. Like, not that killing somebody for knowing that you're not actually poor is a good thing, um, <laughs> but like but maybe more understandable according to your morals. Yeah, uh, yes, there is a tangible benefit in the moment. Not that it's a good thing. Not that it's a forgivable thing. But I understand it um, because at some point his motivation flipped from. I'm in love with Jacob Elordi and I want anything to be near him. And then it flipped to, well, then fuck you. I'm going to kill your whole family and take your house. And that's, I think that's the flip is when he kills the sister is like, all right, we've gone from your obsession with this guy is all consuming to, all right, now you're, now, now you're on a, a track that is a lot more calculated and material and materialistic, I guess. It is funny, and I think I will counter something that Brian said, which is like, you know, this he was like, what I presumed was text was what other people might have seen as subtext. Um, so I agree that I thought that Oliver was lying from the start when he told, so basically Oliver shows up, you know, it's uh, fall of 2006, he's a freshman at Oxford, he is this sort of um, short, ugly, nerdy guy who's clearly, you know, not wearing the right clothes, et cetera, et cetera. He immediately identifies the in crowd and they are of course rude to him and but he he finds that a, a group to aspire to and so you see a lot of scenes of him sort of try to get into their good graces etc eventually he does make friends with this sort of sweet felix who is again the scion of this you know saltburn estate and eventually worms his way into you know getting invited to their house over the summer because he tells Felix that he his, you know he's a he's a scholarship kid his mom is is a drug addict his father just died he needs an escape etc I always thought that was a little you know I didn't believe that quite exactly um, but I wasn't sure exactly what to believe so I didn't necessarily think that he was telling the truth because I think he was trying to gain sympathies with uh, Felix but you know, there could have been something there, you know, the kid just didn't seem like he fit in at all with this sort of Oxford lifestyle or whatever that means. And if anybody has seen or read Brideshead Vis Revisited, I highly recommend it. The Evelyn Waugh book is incredible. It's, 
just such a beautiful book. The miniseries that came out in the early 1980s starring Jeremy Irons is one of the best miniseries of all time. Um, Catherine, if you haven't seen it, it's totally up your alley. So I think having already been familiar with that story, I suspected something a little bit different out of this. Um, if you've seen Brideshead, it's about a kid who's in a similar situation. You know, he's a middle-class guy who goes to Oxford and he's very smart and he falls in with, you know, the sort of frivolous rich guy gets invited to their estate and suddenly he's like the darling of the family. And the way that book and film plays out is that his friend um, is a sort of destructive alcoholic and the friend sort of dis disappears from the family. And the more that um, the main character, the middle-class guy gains clout in this world of society, he becomes a painter. He eventually, you know, almost becomes the heir of this family because he falls in love with the sister and it's a whole thing. So I was kind of expecting something like that where, you know, uh, Felix or not Felix, that um, Barry's character, Oliver would, you know, just do anything he can to endear himself to this family and then eventually become the, the heir, but it's not, doesn't play out quite with just his char charisma. He has to take part in like murder and things like that. And that's what was a little surprising to me at the end when it, you find out that he, you know, kills mom and makes sure that the dad is dead and all this stuff that feels like way darker than I think even I was expecting. So that's my little rant about that. See, the, the, it's funny you say that about Brightside Revisited because what I was made to understand from like press materials ahead of time was the the book that was compared that this film was compared to ahead of time in um information that i got was actually the talented mr ripley so that's mm -hmm. admittedly where my head was immediately is like he's lying jacob alordi mm -hmm. is dead by the end of this movie which it, it did turn out to be true i do think it is definitely meant to be brightside revisited meets the talented Mr. Ripley. Um, I, I, not that that, not that I think that that's a bad thing. And I honestly don't mind the fact that I kind of called some, I called a lot of the twists ahead of time. I don't think he killed the dad. Um, I thought he arranged for things to happen. Maybe he didn't kill the dad. You're right. But, but isn't maybe it he like, arranged for things to happen when the father died or I thought the like dad many, was many like years on the later. Yeah, he arranged to meet the mom, but like, he, I don't okay. think he was responsible for the dad dying. I thought he also did something to like cause that guy's demise because. Uh, but he... it was like it was like so far in the future, wasn't it? Like. No, you're you're probably right. Like I feel like if it was if it was him, he would have probably done it sooner. Like, and that almost was annoying to me. Of like, okay, so you just like left for like what the fuck? Just kill this guy. Like he's an idiot. He's a moron. Everyone here is a fucking idiot. Like you could get away with it. Could he have though? Because it was like so many suspicious things happened at once that he probably needed to lay low. For I don't know. A while. There appeared to be no police involvement whatsoever. <laughs> like I don't. It like the thing about the talented Mister Ripley is you feel all of the work that Tom Ripley has to put in. Like he listens to all, I've only seen the movie. He listens to all of these records. He like, you know, adjusts his voice. He learns all this information. He has to come up with these elaborate lies. And Barry Keoghan has just shown reading a like souvenir tourist pamphlet about the house to know the name of <laughs> one potter. And the dad's like, oh, well, isn't that marvelous? Richard E. Grant 
a great actor who in this movie I just really felt bad for. I don't know. I don't like. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I'm not going to deny that every every character is is kind of dumb except for um, which I'm uh Farley. Uh, <laughs> I honestly though I kind of liked that about this because it felt like a lot of the ways in which they were dumb. Uh, it felt very realistic, at least to me. Specifically, like there's a thing that they do multiple times throughout the movie, where something will happen that is bad that they have done that is wrong or cruel or uncaring and immediately in the next scene they're rewriting history so it never happened like they chuck farley out for stealing even though he didn't right after a scene where he's asking for money for his mother and jacob lordy is like no no we're not going to give you anymore we don't want to enable her the next scene after they kick him out Jacob Elordi and his sister are both like, well, you know, Farley must know that dad would give him whatever he wanted. I don't understand why he would do this. Or like um, the the scene at the very end where they chuck Farley out of the house again um, because <laughs> uh, Oliver accuses him of having done drugs that I think the implications they think that Felix overdosed and that maybe the drugs were involved. Like two scenes earlier, Felix is doing those drugs in a bathroom with the door open in front of you of everybody there there is a servant in the room with him helping him do this so there was no secrecy at all that he he is snorting cocaine in the bathroom he's got the door open oliver sees him from the hallway and then they're going to pretend that they're like shocked it's like that casablanca line about like i am shocked to discover there is gambling in this establishment <laughs> when th they're pretending like oh there were drugs at this party i had no idea farley how could you bring drugs to this drug-free party that we've had going on this whole time <laughs> you've clearly killed felix we invited all these people over with all these lights and all these slutty costumes <laughs> and you're telling me that they are taking mind expanding substances at really? my house no. So, like, I, that to me honestly reads as very realistic for people who are kind of See, just self-serving. No, because to me that was just shitty writing. Like, I don't, I, I don't, it just seemed, like, really stupid. I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't get, a, like, I tried to make things like that a character thing. But at that point, the characters become so stupid that it's hard to give a shit about what's going on with them at all. Like, Freddie okay, Stan so Ellis novels... When he's talking about like these decadent rich families who are completely amoral and don't give a shit about anything, it's like an open secret everyone knows, and the parents just kind of like throw up their hands because, like, well, what am I going to do about it? You know, like, oh, like here's a 16 year old walking around this party drunk on champagne and asking their mother's best friend for some cocaine. And the mother's like, Elizabeth, please. And then that's it. Like that, but like in this movie, just like scene to scene, they're these weird caricatures of incredible wealth and privilege, but with like no sense and no decorum. They're like weird, ghoulish, funhouse mirror distortions of a poor person acting rich rather than actual rich people. So I've heard, oh, go ahead, Catherine. Well, I was going to say, I, th I think that's funny because that's the op the opposite criticism of what I've seen uh, others say, because my understanding is Emerald Fennell 
comes from money like i don't yes, know how far yes. back it goes but she is familiar with the behavior of rich people she grew up rich she went to i, th I think she went to oxford i could be wrong but yeah but half of england goes to oxford <laughs> <laughs> i i don't Robin know out here just true, being Robin. like look oxford's not as impressive as we i will say that today. like whenever i look up a british actor or you know, somebody who has done something, it's like either they go to Cambridge or Oxford. Well, and well those are the, the only two universities in the UK. I, I know, right? exactly. Well, what? You think those are the only two <laughs> universities in the UK? Yeah, like they've got three TV channels and they've got two universities. Girl. This yeah. is this is very funny to me because uh, a British person is marrying into my family at the end of this year. <laughs> Uh, uh, you better be careful. They might only be there to murder all of you and take your well, money. That's true. I'll see what I can do. Uh, <laughs> they might I don't... steal the East Meadow house right out from under you. Uh, she does live there with my brother now. <laughs> um, she did not go to Oxford, so maybe we're fine. Um... So I don't know if Brian's kidding or not, but like, yes, Oxford and Cambridge are probably the most prestigious English universities, um, but it is not... They're... They're not the only two colleges. Yes, I was clearly joking. I don't, I, I don't know, though. I don't know. <laughs> you can't just meaningfully say, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I will say there is the issue, like, I, I've seen it discussed before that a lot of the British film industry is very, um, it's very class-based because, because, yes. uh, so many of these people are from Oxford and Cambridge, not because Oxford and Cambridge is the only college, but because um, so many of these people that are making it in the industry come from wealth to begin with. Like I literally like six yeah. hours ago was joking with friends about how rare it is to find um, British actors that have a, like a working class background. I think we named like Tom Hardy and Kenneth Branagh and that was it. And Michael Caine. <laughs> and Michael Caine and um, oh my God, the guy who was in Star Wars, what's his name? Alec Guinness? John no, uh, John Boyega. No, oh. Alec Guinness is like a fancy boy. I was about to say, his name is Alec Guinness. He can't be that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, people say like, oh, you know, in the United States, um, there there is a caste system because if you go to the Ivies and it's just everybody's self-perpetuating, like you're going to only hire people that also went to Harvard or whatever. Yes. And like there there is some of that element, but it's it's not exactly widespread and especially in the in the industry like the entertainment industry ivies are not exactly like nobody's gonna hire you just because you went to harvard maybe greg daniels or michael Shear or whatever because like everybody who was on the office and all their offshoots like they're definitely ivy writing staffs but or i was simpsons about to say the whatever. simpsons writing staff circa 1993 yeah i mean Har harvard lampoon etc like that that's a launching point but you know, you're also just as likely to see people who went to Emerson, you know, which is also a private school. So I'm not, I'm not discounting how much money goes into even just like colleges that aren't, uh, you know, you're just trying to cover up because you work for a prestigious university that we will not name. No, I'm not covering up. <laughs> I mean, I, I see, no, but I think it's a point like I, but I see how the system works as well. Like, I don't think it's foolproof, but in the UK, which is a much smaller space and much more class-based. Yeah, it's so small. Like, they only have two universities. Yeah. I mean, it's also... Poor Durham much... University. <laughs> <laughs> Poor St. Andrews. 
It's also, you know, it's a country that has codified the class system for hundreds of years. We, you know, we're thousands, country, thousands <laughs> that's true. Well, you know, we as a country, we haven't even existed, what, 250 years yet? So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like, yeah, 1066, a thousand years ago, but even before that, the, you know, that Anglo-Saxon barons and all that shit. Um, yeah. When did Arthur unify uh, England? Arthur's mythological. Um, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Oh, really? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're clearly Anglophiles here. Um, but I want to I bring the point back to what you all were saying, which is um, that, so, you know, Brian's perspective, this is a cartoonish version of, the, of British wealth. For Catherine, it's like, but from, you know, everything you understand, Emerald Fennell comes somewhat from that world and she's satirizing it. I think the criticism that I have heard, which is interesting, is that, you know, the the wealthy people, yeah, they may be dumb or heartless, but they're all victims by the end of this middle class schemer. So for some people, they're like, oh, this is so mean to middle class people. <laughs> oh, see, I, <laughs> I, I have absolutely seen that criticism. But in, what I would argue on that is I don't feel like we're supposed to be on the rich family side at the very least not anyone other than maybe felix and the daughter um because of the way i think two characters are important to make it uh clear that we are not supposed to be rooting for these people one is farley and one is pamela played by carrie mulligan um because we see the My way favorite th carrie mulligan performance uh, of all time she she's so good in two scenes and i love yes. her because uh rewatching this movie there was a detail that i missed when i saw this in theaters um pamela is the guest in the house that's already there when oliver shows up and is one of the family's like little pet projects where this is a person who's gone through a lot and we're going to keep them in the house but it's because we want to know the sordid details of their life um and she, they talk a little bit about she had some substance abuse problems the, the detail that i missed the first time i saw this is they mentioned that she had like a Russian ex-boyfriend or something. She's talking to Oliver about how the reason she's staying at the house is because the Russian ex-boyfriend has been like throwing people out of windows and people keep mysteriously disappearing. And so the implication is that she's afraid that this guy is going to murder her too. Cut to two scenes later, the mom is talking about how like, they politely shuffled her off because they need they wanted to get rid of her and she's like you know i understand she's been going through so much but honestly she did go on about it like <laughs> a half hour later pamela is dead we never find out why it's never stated why but the mom is still talking shit about pamela <laughs> even as she's whining that she doesn't want to go to her funeral what i think is interesting is number one pamela is a foil to oliver who is now their new little pet but Pamela is also an interesting foil to Felix because Felix dies later of what they think is a substance issue. They think he overdosed, but in reality is the murder of a jealous romantic interest or something. No, and look at the way they react to Felix dying versus how little they give a shit about Pamela. Meanwhile, we've also got Farley on this side who, you know, when uh, Felix is talking about him, Farley, he's like, yeah, Farley grew up with us. She, he's family. He's basically lived with us because of all this stuff that happened. Farley and he is a cousin. He is a cousin. But like Farley is presented at the beginning, like bragging to the academic advisor that like, oh, yeah, my my mom, the actress used to go to school here, you know, and we're supposed to think he is part of this circle. 
And we find out more and more throughout this movie, no, he is not. They throw him out without hesitation twice. They will not give his mom any money, even though she's going to lose her house. Uh, they, you know, are talking about, oh, like Farley says something along the lines of, you understand how this looks, that I have to come to you with a begging bowl, you know, implying that it's because he's Black. Um, and Jacob Lordy just utter white person fumble of like how dare you we've never noticed that you were different we would never treat you differently i don't i don't understand what you're trying to apply here anyway we're not going to give your mom money to not be homeless we're going to throw oliver a party with 200 people (laughs) (laughs) like that i think that those two characters really underline we are not supposed to like these people we are not supposed to think they are good people at all look at how they treat people that they don't want to treat nicely they are nice to oliver now but there is a countdown clock to how long that's gonna last and the only reason it lasts as long as it does is because felix dies but so are they just supposed to let these people like leech off of them forever i know and that's a good question that's like the problem is like these Um, aren't like people who are like nice and normal and then the family's just like you're boring me these are people who are attached to them and are feeding off of them like lampreys or remora fish or some other gross sea animal. And they're like, look, our largesse has a limit. Your mother's going to keep blowing fucking money. I don't know what to tell you. And he says something about like, they're going to be homeless, but then don't they call him on that? And he's like, well, I mean, if things keep going the way they do. Yeah. I will say though, he makes a valid point of like, he, he makes a point in that argument where like, you know, oh, we don't, you know, he's like, oh, we don't want to enable your mother. And he's like, oh, because your dad works. Like, <laughs> like, what exactly do they do that they deserve this money so much? Like, it, the dad clearly doesn't have a job. Like, at the end, when he, they show his obituary, one of the hilarious little details that I love is, like, the, it says, you know, uh, whatever his name is dead, age 70, whatever. And then the subtitle is landowner and art collector. There is nothing else to this man. He has no job. He throws parties and lives in his lavish estate because presumably it is inherited wealth. You know, why does he deserve that money that he's not using? For, he's not using it to, for anyone's benefit, really. Um, I, Pamela, I'm not saying they should have let Pamela live in the house forever, but they clearly detest her even when she's dead. And like, there's like, well, she's more entertainment than anything else. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't, I'm not saying, you know, make, let her live in the house forever. I can't imagine going to a funeral of anybody and talking shit about them on the way to the funeral, unless they like committed a crime. You know, a little middle class, you know, (laughs) hematode. I'm, I'm a plebeian. I've been to a lot of funerals (laughs) and talked a lot of shit. So I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a plebeian and I'm a good Irish Catholic who knows that. I'm a terrible I... Irish Catholic, so you know <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Listen, I've got a lot of dead relatives. I believe in ghosts, and they'll haunt me if I'm terrible at their funerals. <laughs> That's um, okay. I want to see Grandma again. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to. I don't know. Like my, I, yeah, you know, just. I don't know. It, like it's it's almost hard for me to like now that I've like had my eruption of like how much I hated this movie. It's almost hard for me to like engage with it anymore. Like like talking about all this stuff, it just it, there's like there's a, there's a listlessness and a scattershot nature to the movie that feels like it's almost 
not worth engaging with because it didn't expect to be. And like, it's, it's kind of, I'm almost like insulted by the amount of work that I have to do to try to plumb meaning from this, like, pretty but utterly bereft film that I've watched last well, what night. What is meaning exactly? Like, I, I felt like I ended up enjoying it. But the, I guess Literally, that's like, it was I the guess... last second. <sighs> But I don't know if I got meaning out of it. I mean, this is a movie that I was watching the entire time being like, just turning to Nick being like, this is so fucking stupid. Oh my God, like, are they fucking kidding me? Maybe and, like, if I had a person to do that eyes. with. Like, maybe if I had someone sitting with me where I was like, oh my God, this is fucking dumb. Like, maybe if I had uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 it, I would have been more into it. But I'm like. Maybe this if you is- had more intimacy in your life, you wouldn't be so bitter. Yeah, probably. But like, this is, I'm alone. <laughs> on a Saturday night <laughs> watching Saltburn and you I'm just like yeah, dogs. I'm yeah the do- well the dogs kept getting in front of the TV and looking at me <laughs> because I guess they wanted to go outside or they wanted a treat or something and I was like look I have to watch this like I am sorry see I'm actually wondering if this might be part of the key to my enjoyment because I saw this in a theater. I saw this in the Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn, and I will say that this on movie on opening di- night. On opening night, <laughs> and I will say it reminded me of the power of cinema in the theater because we've been tap dancing a little bit. I think around exactly how salacious this movie is. Yeah. Uh, when we got to the bathtub scene. Uh, being in a room full of people making noises of disgust and horror and shock really reminded me how much I love going to the theater. <laughs> it really, that worked for me. And honestly, also the the um, the brazenness of in the lobby of the, of the theater, they had a giant poster for the movie because it was opening weekend, but they also had a bathtub that people were posing and taking photos of. And as I oh, walked like in- a, a full size. A full, a real bathtub, like a real full oh. size bathtub. So as I walked in, I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And then as I'm leaving, I see it. I'm like, you maniacal little men, like <laughs> that, that this is your promo is that you included a real bathtub along with the poster at a movie theater. That's amazing. Someone in marketing had a great time with that. Did they give away small bathtubs? Because I heard that some Alamo draft houses did. Uh, not at the one I went to, no. Like a mini like bathtub that says salt burn. No, I, I did okay. not at my screening. I um, think they're going for a lot on eBay from what I... Which you can put in the middle of your bathroom with a light hanging right over it. <laughs> Uh, so I collect miniature bathtubs. No, you don't. Signatures. Yes, I do. No, I love that you for don't. You. I refuse to believe that there are enough miniature bathtubs in the world Bro, for you to collect. There are. I promise you. Oh my god. See, I 100 percent believe this about you. Yes. I will. I will send. I'll put up a picture later. Um, I have like at least three or four miniature bathtubs in my bathroom. <laughs> Fucking how? Why? Why? They're so cute. This is the most insane. I'm like thing the I've original tub girl. Don't no, absolutely <laughs> not. Robin, no, you can't quote something even more deranged than this film. This and is this not film. that fucking deranged. This is the problem, <laughs> though. This is not a lot. For but also, okay. I need other men to tweet at me <laughs> or DM me or something. Man no, hive. no man masturbates in the bath. <laughs> that is not a fucking thing that you do. 
This is not a real male behavior. No man has ever taken a long, hot, soaking bath, come in it, and then drained the tub and just bounced. That's fucking insane. That's stupid. This is not real. If I had to guess, it's supposed to be a Dalton Mr. Ripley reference, if I had to guess. Really? Yeah, because there's that scene where, like, he's playing chess with Jude Law in the tub. um, And then, like, he bathes in Jude Law's bathwater in that film. Also, in my notes, I wrote Jacob Alordi is the new Jude Law, which I believe is true. Um, Oh, so he's also going to have, like, three really good films and then, like, 15 years of crap. And then he's going to become an interesting character actor? Uh, maybe. I hope I, so. All I, it's I, not a terrible. Yeah, no. Have. There's much worse careers to have. Basically, what I th- what I'm thinking is, Jacob Elordi just did this film, and he also did uh, Priscilla, and he also mm-hmm. I don't I don't watch Euphoria, um, but the the overarching theme seems to be this man is so attractive that I must ruin my life. Um, and you, <laughs> you should okay. The first season is actually quite good. The second season is pure dog shit, but I did, I do recommend the first season. I, I have heard excellent things. I just haven't seen it. But but Jude Law had a similar string because he did um, Talented Mr. Ripley, but he also did Wild, uh, the Oscar Wilde biopic with Stephen Fry. And yes, that... he did. He played the um, evil the evil twink from yeah, what he, I remember. <laughs> yeah, he, he was uh, Bozy Douglas. And I think, honestly, uh, having him be played by Jude Law was too kind to Bozy Douglas. That movie was actually pretty good from what I remember. Yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, but I, it, it is a movie where... Like Talented Mr. Ripley, it hinges on this man has to be so good looking as to be distracting. And he, he I think, works that role well. And I think Jacob Elordi works that well in this film, too. So if he if he becomes the new Jude Law for like the, the Gen Z generation, I think that's 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 a good career path for him. Good for him. Yeah, but Jude Law has also never hit the heights that people were expecting of him. I think like, he's getting there now now that he's older yeah you know but he was never movie star he he lost his hair pretty young mm-hmm. he's you know people like him but he's kind of in the shadows a little bit he wouldn't he was never he never kind of hit that um i'm trying to think of an example I, i'm not not saying he was going to be a tom cruise but it just never really happened for jude law he's he's more like oh when he shows up in a smaller thing you're like oh they got jude law but he's been great. His his like little run with Steven Soderbergh was amazing. But even Soderbergh is not like, you know, See, he know. does so many smaller things now. Right. But there like was a point where he was taking stuff and was bad in it. And now he's like found the way to be good again. And I will and like say, it's, it's smaller stuff, but I mean, it's fine with me. I don't know. He's rounding up to his 60s at this point. Like, is he? He's probably in his 50s now, yeah. Jude. I'm, I'm talking about uh, Jude Law. Law age. 51. Speaking of... Okay, so nine more years. He's, he's gonna that's not years. rounding up, though. I mean, it's that's... Round, round up, you know. <laughs> I, will, I will say, like, I agree. I like where his career is going. I like it when he shows up and things. We, the thing that I think... I, I feel like he's deliberately picking these smaller things because he's also got Marvel money and Harry Potter money um, rolling in, too. Yeah, he was in uh, Cat Marvel. Who the hell is oh, he in Harry Potter? right. He was the not good guy. Yeah. That seemed like a good guy. Yep. 
So he's he's got that Marvel money coming in. He's got Harry Potter money coming in. Who is he in Harry Potter? He's Dumbledore. He's, he's Dumbledore young Dumbledore. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I, Grins, Griswold. I Gris- call it Grimsy? the Fantastic Beasts um, <laughs> franchise, not Harry Potter. He was really good in the rhythm section. He was a good Captain Hook in Peter Pan and Wendy. He was a good Pope. He, he was a new Pope. <laughs> he was so young. He was a young Pope. Such a young yeah. Pope. The youngest of Popes. <laughs> he was a really young Pope. Um, Nick is always just like, okay, picture it. A Pope, but young. <laughs> that was one of, like, there are certain things where, like, the jokes are just so easy. And that's right up there with that whole... Like you wouldn't steal a car thing. Like anytime I see any joke that's in the format of that old PSA, I can't help but laugh immediately. I don't know what that is. It's the oh my god, <sighs> Catherine. Do you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, no, they they would have it on DVDs. You like, you all wouldn't the time. steal a purse. You wouldn't oh. steal a car. And like it's, it's like, supposed to be like in, piracy, right? It's it's like in like late '90s David Fincher font. They would flash the titles up, and they would show a person stealing a purse, and it'd be like, "You wouldn't steal a purse." And so people will take that kind of font and then they'll they'll write something like you wouldn't go to a beach that makes you old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there, there was, was some there was some skit I don't know what show it was, some British show. I think it was the IT like, crowd. Oh, where they're like you wouldn't steal a policeman's hat. You wouldn't kill the policeman. <laughs> you wouldn't shit in the hat and send it to his family. <laughs> wow, that was same wavelength shit right yeah. there <laughs> it's such a good sketch it's really good i love the it crowd um yeah it's a good one um yeah but anytime that i see something like like that i just get so happy and i i have to like tell everyone about me they did one for the uh the last voyage of the demeter <laughs> it was like you you wouldn't put dracula on a boat <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh my god anyway uh, Jude Law um, was also pretty just... good in The Nest, if I remember correctly. Yes. Oh, God, that movie. Um, boy, oh, boy. I have I no recollection gonna... of that movie other than the fact that I saw it, and at some point they dump a horse in a hole. It's a dead horse. Yeah, it's I don't such know if that makes that better nothing of a movie. Like, I love Karen Coon, but, you know, I'll, I'll look forward to seeing her on the White Lotus. Good. Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, like, this season is good, not like the last season. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so, so I want to just update everybody. I did look up the Saltburn bathtub mini that Alamo Draft House is giving away. Jesus. It is currently bidding at $100 on eBay and has 16 bids and 26 likes and uh, $16 shipping. So, you know, if you're in the Slack channel and you have a t- mini bathtub that you want to send to Robin. <laughs> yeah, if, you're, if you've no been staring juice, at this mini bathtub and being like, God damn, what am I going to do with this fucking bathtub? Robin wants it. Robin wants that bathtub. <laughs> I want your um, very clean, no spugy bathtub, please. Yes. If there was ever any cum in the bathtub, please clean it very vigorously like, and do not yeah, tell just- Robin about it. The, the most the <laughs> grossest part me. first of all once again i reiterate no man has ever masturbated into a full bathtub in which he is still sitting um the the has grossest any man part, ever fucked a grave i'm positive that more men have fucked graves than have come in bath water that they have, are all in have alone many men fully 
I mean that this is probably totally a thing, but like gone down on a woman on her period. I think that oh, is hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. there's probably so many Reddit subreddits devoted to this. I yeah, well, yeah, I feel like that's not that crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But, like that. But mostly, I would say I mean... it's the most visceral for some people I know. Well, it's just blood yeah. is a whole thing, you know. I don't know. Would you rather have to put your finger in someone's blood or someone's cum? There are people who would say cum first. I would probably do yeah, blood. Yeah, I mean, HIV, I guess. That's I in do. both of them, though. I know, that's what I'm saying. It's like, eh. Is the, is the, is the viral load higher in cum or blood? I'm gonna, give me a second to Google this. I don't know. Viral load in website. cum How many worms blood. can you get from fucking soil? Wow, I have actually, the National Institutes of Health has an analysis of HIV-1 load in blood, semen, and saliva. And what's the I got. I don't know. Let me click on it. Someone talk while I look at this. Um, Uh, (laughs) Roundworms in your wee-wiss. Can I, one thing that was great about the the graveyard scene, um, something I find fascinating as a frequent visitor to the Alamo Draft House is what is the cue card for the people to come around to bring us our checks? And there must have been a cue card in the kitchen that said, when Barry Keoghan unbuttons his pants on top of a grave, bring everyone their checks. (laughs) So so while we're watching this guy going to town on this pile of dirt, you just hear the waiters coming down the row going, you know, whenever you're ready, here you go. Whenever you're ready, here you go. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Yes, I'm watching this man. Comment him some dead soil. Okay. It's just so uncomfortable, but yes. So according to this study, uh, titled Analysis of HIV-1 Load in Blood, Semen, and Saliva, Evidence for Different Viral Compartments in a Cross-Section of Longitudinal Study, the viral load in semen and saliva was significantly lower than in plasma. The levels in plasma and saliva were correlated, but they were not correlated with semen. So there you go. I hope that helps everyone. So drink the bathwater of your favorite crush because it probably (laughs) won't kill you. Again, the grossest part of that to me was him licking the plug hole because like, that's gross. But like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, yawn. He's drinking the diluted cum because also... I don't know how much Felix comes, but that's a shit ton of water. So, like, it's probably pretty diluted. But that is a filthy fucking plug hole. I guarantee you that, like, a that quarter of an inch. plug probably washed every day by their servants. Yeah, I was Are we was talking gonna... about Jacob Elordi or are we talking about the bathtub? <laughs> Which plug <laughs> hole are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, yes. I was going to bring that up because it was something that Emerald Fennell talked about in an interview is how part of the reason this movie has so much like shots of vomit and like you see like a streak of poo in like a a, a toilet or whatever she's an edgelord yes no i'm not denying (laughs) literally my first reaction when i saw this movie was that emerald fennell had shot that scene a promising young woman where like uh carrie mulligan spits into coffee and bo burnham drinks it my initial reaction was like she took that scene and made it two hours long like this is that but for two hours um but she talked about how like part of the idea was that 
these people can be so disgusting and just vomit everywhere and like leave their trash everywhere and all this stuff because they have never had to live a life where people weren't cleaning up after them. Like at one point, Barry Keoghan smashes a mirror. The mirror's replaced by the by the next morning. You see them like picking up the red solo cups on the yard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I do like I agree with both of you that these servants probably do clean that bathtub constantly but i was grossed out because i know like real bathtub drains have hair in them um yeah though well I- you know what bathtub drains are clean all the time are mini tubs <laughs> that's true are these when, like when- from doll houses or are they like <laughs> what is the provenance they're of some of these of this objet they're yes. often soap holders that oh, you can get at cute little stores yeah. summer minis um you know some are just like oh you want some cute decor for your cute little bathroom like here's some objet yeah i got gotcha. you and i am a sucker speaking of uh collections i'm about to acquire a 1932 underwood portable and i am extremely excited about it is that a car it is a typewriter Ooh. Oh. Yes. A friend of mine from the dog park reached out and was like, hey, it turns out I have this, you know, almost 100-year-old portable typewriter and it's just pristine. Do you want it? And I was like, yeah, give it to me. You are such the typewriter boy. I am 100% a typewriter boy, yes. Do you wear, like, one of those Irish caps? I refuse like to a, answer that Irish question. Like cap. You are... I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I plead the fifth. On the advice <laughs> of my lawyer, and I will not be stellar. answering... <laughs> I do not wish to incriminate myself further. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I do. I have, it is an Irish cap from Ireland. I got it what? from the website Weavers of Ireland. Okay. So oh my God. I hung scarves from them. Yeah. Dude, that website is the best. It's great. Oh, oh yeah. man. I got the Muckross. Uh, I think it's the Kerry flat cap. It's incredible. I love it. Bowsers. <laughs> Yeah, no, go to weaversofireland.com. They almost always have a sale going on. My jaw's open. (laughs) (laughs) The Irish Catholicism of this discussion just ratchets up every like 10 minutes. You know, gotta. There was a shocking lack of any kind of religion in this movie, but I guess that's just also like a rich people thing. Well, you should read Fright's Head because Evelyn Waugh is a famous. I think Catholic convert and Catholicism is one of the biggest themes of Brideshead. Oh, fun. And it's very interesting the way it plays out. I am. I, so today my daughter's about to get her first communion in May. Right. And uh, for whatever reason, the parents have to go to like these monthly classes or something. I don't know. This is the first one I ever went to because I'm constantly like, I don't know. I'm busy. It doesn't matter. But so I went to this one and, um, it was just like us talking about the church and stuff and today's was all about community and everything. And I made a joke because we, we listened to a video where someone was talking about like study results about loneliness and how loneliness is worse for you than like smoking a pack of cigarettes in terms of like your lifespan, which is something I've heard, you know, and it's not purely related to the church. You just need like friends and stuff. And, um, after yeah, otherwise you would have liked Saltburn a lot more. Uh, yeah, yeah, I actually probably would have. Again, if I had had more friends uh, who would watch Saltburn, probably no one from my church, but whatever. Um, but yeah, it was so the priest was like, so what do we think about some of the things we just heard? And, you know, you know, it's like any group of adults, you know, no one wants to be the first person to speak. And so at some point I said, 
as a former smoker, I wish that I would have known that I didn't need to quit. I just needed to get more friends. And <laughs> everyone laughed. But now I think that I might be in trouble with the priest at my parish, which is fun Uh-oh. to me. <laughs> yeah, boy. Gotta go to confession. He's also, he's a young priest, is the thing. Like, he, I he's feel like an older punk. priest would have been like, haha, you rap scallion. But this guy's like fresh out of seminary. So I feel like yeah, it's, it's going like to take the, like. The, the, whatever, the zealotry of the con. Yes, exactly. Or, as I say, yeah. like the hard ass grading of a grad student. <laughs> I like that true, better than the hardest grader. There's no zealot like a convert. No one grades harder than a grad student. <laughs> <laughs> this is a truism of life. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. It's up there with the bitch eating crackers thing. <laughs> I um, didn't make that up. I didn't say you did, but you introduced it to me, and for I will be forever grateful. And forever, I am the bitch eating crackers. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I mean. Yeah, I don't like. Yeah, I feel like I'm trying to avoid talking about this movie more, but <laughs> I don't know. When I mean, when Jacob Elordi died, I was like, oh, thank God. And then I realized the movie still had like a half an hour to go, and I like lost. Why? My mind. Because you were like, oh, it's almost over. Yeah, I was like, finally, he fucking did it. Like this stupid thing we've <laughs> if because it was either like Jacob either had to die, end of like first act. You know, like in in the talented Mr. Ripley, or he had to die like at the end of the movie. And instead, the movie's like, what if it's like I don't know the middle of the third slash beginning of the fourth act? And I was like, oh my god, why? So what now? I, I have to sit through this stupid lunch where these people are eating this crumbly cake for some reason. <laughs> Everyone's an idiot, and and then it's like, oh, we have to. I want to close the curtains, sir. And it's like, yes, please do it, Jeeves. And the curtains are red, and the room is red like blood. <sighs> I I did like that lunch scene just because, like, it is. There's like some line in there where oh they they, they just chucked Farley out of the house, um, and Jacob already says to Oliver like don't bring up the Farley situation to them don't talk about it and he's like well, what if they bring it up and he's like they won't because these people are just so in denial of everything so they're doing this stupid lunch where they're like talking about oh how was the cake the cake was lovely and again uh Farley the only American in the room is like why are we not talking about how weird this is. Like, why are we not discussing this situation at all? And they just start screaming at him for acknowledging what a, like, insane situation they're in the middle of. And I, I don't know. Maybe I just like how absurd it is because know, Far- it is Farley absurd. Has no chill. That guy oh, no, should have yeah. gotten got way yeah. earlier in the movie. Yeah, I kind of like in my head i have to believe or i choose to believe that like after oliver gets the house like farley tries to worm his way back in and then they just spend the next 20 years hooking up and trying to murder each other at the same time (laughs) yeah it's spy versus spy but with more homoerotic tension you know it is such a hit in some ways that there could be a sequel yeah yeah Um, getting a lot of attention and it may get some well we'll see on tuesday I would be surprised if it didn't get one Oscar nomination. I don't know what it would be, whether Rosamund it's production Pike. values. Yeah. Maybe Rosamund. She's um, getting a lot more traction the last couple of weeks. But even Barry, because he did get a, a Golden Globe. Um, Jacob Elordi 
did get a BAFTA nomination, which I was a little surprised about because I didn't think he was that. All he had to do was smile slightly yeah, and look and have a tall. British accent. Yeah. The score it was a bit like really that interesting to me. I, I kind of, I don't know. I, I do think it is very funny to me that they got more like BAFTA's attention than Barbie or and like Killers of the Flower Moon lost out a bunch of nominations. Well, it's so British too. I mean, they're biased. But... Yeah. yeah, it's the fucking BAFTA's. Like, come on. I, I did like the, I don't, and I mean, granted, partly it is just how he looks. Jacob Elordi, I think, played Felix very well as somebody who wants to be seen as generous, but does so without any thoughtfulness. Um, because, oh, like when he takes his bike? When he takes his bike, but also uh, definitely when he takes his bike, like that's the first sign that he's not actually particularly thoughtful. When he thinks that Oliver has a drug addict mom that he's not close to and is like, I've arranged for you guys to reunite on your birthday. That's my gift to you, Oliver. Like, I knew that Oliver was lying by this point. I absolutely knew he was lying. I'm sure a lot of the audience did. Who the hell does that? Let me let me reunite you with your estranged mom that you have told me a million times you have not a good relationship with that you, that you don't want to see. Who does that? Like what deranged? But do you think that he had an inkling that something was fucked up and he no. wanted to? Okay. No, no I, I think, think he was he was post. trying to be like, yeah, like this is great. This is like a little, you know, I'm trying to make a movie for myself. Yeah, I he's... thought that he was getting a little sick of Oliver and. I think to that too. Yeah, I mean, I everyone seemed to be sick of Oliver all the time, except for the moments where they kind of wanted to fuck him. Yeah, I think I think Vin- you could argue that, that that experience with Farley was like sexual assault. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, because I was just like, eh, I don't think. I think like I even said that when it's like he them. sexually assaults him, and then suddenly okay. the next day he's like accused of being an art thief, and it's like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. Because this guy, and again, it's so annoying to me that at, at the end of the movie is like, uh, uh, did you see what we did? And it's like, yes, quite clearly, an hour and a half ago. Thank you. <laughs> Gee, I wonder who had access to Farley's email. Who could have, who would have had the opportunity? Literally last night. Whoa, that's nuts. What? So what we haven't talked about is probably the greatest cinematic moment of 2023. And that's the final scene of the film where oh the the scene that launched a billion tiktoks (laughs) well okay so tell us more about that literally it's people who in in lush palatial estates running around the estate not completely buck fucking naked um to that song it's it like people on tiktok are like yeah they're like running around their house some of them have people laying on the floor pretending to be dead which i feel like i don't 100 percent understand the meaning of but like a lot of it and like people were like people were in their comments being like um did you watch salt burn <laughs> like <laughs> I, yeah so that's weird that's uh it's, it was pretty weird i was like what the fuck is this tiktok trend and then i'm watching the movie and i'm like oh okay <laughs> i loved uh, ahead of seeing the movie which i did see opening night i have i have another friend who um got to go see a press screening so she got to see it in advance and this is a friend who's like i trust not to like josh around with me um (laughs) i i asked her what she thought of it and her first reaction to the movie was to look at me and go it has a lot of bodily fluids which was (laughs) definitely a very telling reaction it's a very true response no she was 100 percent correct but then the other thing she said was like 
Yeah, I saw a lot of Barry Keoghan's penis. And up until the very end of it, I'm like, I don't know what she's talking about. I mean, he it's takes like a normal pants amount off. of penis. <laughs> like, I mean, like he takes his pants film? off, but like... Yeah, like, yeah, it's not yeah. that bad. And, and then the ending happens. It's like, oh, now I see what she meant. Also, for we a do... guy who's snorting cocaine, his dick is still very big. <laughs> so that was a question I had. Because I, I looked over at Nick and I was like, so Barry Keoghan is packing... And then I was like, oh, what if it's a prosthetic? I'm pretty, what if it's, you, it's no, gotta it's be not. a prosthetic, right? No, he's, he said, he is released interviews saying it's not. He has unleashed the Kraken. <laughs> I can just he, imagine him very like bluntly being like, you think it's a prosthetic? Turn the cameras on. We're doing this. I know it's a podcast. I don't care. Get your phones out. He does date a lot. I mean, this man has had a lot of girlfriends. He also has a lot of, so according to Ireland Reddit, he is known for being a wife beater. I I don't what? know what really? the accuracy is. This is again according to Ireland Reddit. Wait, wait. So is he married? Um, no, but he has a. So is he, he beating other people's partner. wives? He had, well, let's backtrack. He's known for hitting his romantic partners. He did have somebody in his life that was the part, the child, the the mother of his child, and I think he was with for a long time. Now he's with. This girl that used to be on Girl Meets World. I forget her name. Um, but he does get around. Oh, I For such a, that. like, strange-looking little man. Yeah, I don't know. You know. Who plays a lot of creepy characters. Yeah. He does. He plays a lot of creepy characters. I feel like the only good, sweet, like, actually normal character he ever played was the guy who fucking dies in uh, Dunkirk. Yeah. No, no, mm. not in Dunkirk. Well... Yeah, I mean, uh, and also Banshees of Into Sharon a little like, bit. Like, that's a vulnerable character. Yeah, but he's still, too. like, kind of a creeper in that movie. Yeah, I agree. He's creepy, but he's also... He's a simpleton sweet. creeper, but he's a little bit of a creeper. But in Dunkirk, he's just like, I want to be helpful, sir. And then he, like, gets gets got. <laughs> well, spoilers for Dunkirk. Oh, no. I tried to watch it on the airplane. The way that's that not a way Daddy to Nolan watch it. That's not an airplane movie, I feel. But that's the way that I was going to play it, and it didn't work out. No. No, it did not. Blew up in my face. Um, I always forget. He he played the Joker, like, for two seconds uh, when he played the he Joker. He will play more of the Joker. Are we yeah, positive no, I'm sure. that that's happening? Well, he, he yeah. definitely was in the Robert Pattinson Batman movie. They're making another yeah, Robert Pattinson Batman movie, movie right? Did you say you've seen that movie many times? Oh no, you're not the one who likes it. No, I fucking hated it. that movie. Okay. That movie was god awful. Nick has like seen it twice at least. <laughs> I'm surprised that he wasted 26 hours of his life to watch that movie twice. <laughs> that took me a second. I hate that movie. Um, he was in the Green Knight as Scavenger. I'm assuming that oh was not. Oh my god! Not... Yeah. I don't remember Sorry. that part, but he was He's also. The... He's the guy when, like, he's on the horse. When oh, Dev Patel yeah. is on the horse and he gives him directions. It's like, are you going to, like, thank me for giving you directions and then immediately steals from him? Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, oh, he was in Chernobyl. I forgot about that. Yeah. The miniseries. I love that movie. He was I mean, really good in that. He was, he. that's another one where he plays, like, an innocent. Because he shows up and they're like, hey, what's up? Congratulations. We get to go shoot dogs. And he does not have a good time of it. I don't think I would have registered him because I didn't know who he was when I watched it. 
Yeah, that movie came out like right after Dunkirk. No, two years after Dunkirk. And Chernobyl. two years after Killing of a Sacred Deer. So no, I was fully aware of who he was at that point. Okay. He didn't come into my brain until Brown Green Knight. So he's in the movie like, 71, so which I really want to see and yet have not. Well, it's too bad you didn't like him in this because I thought he was great. I find that incredibly hard to believe. <laughs> that he was great? Yeah, I just don't know what there is to like about it. Can you like go into that a little more? Um, I just thought it was a really, maybe something about the camera work, but it doesn't really matter to me how the plot unfolds. I thought that Kyogen really brought a lot of depth to this, mm. this role. Um, you know, there are times where I felt like, oh, I'm so embarrassed for him and I feel the pain he's feeling or... I can feel the elation or the, or the growing sense of entitlement. Like, I thought he was just so subtle in something that could have been a lot campier from, or that he could have, he could have embraced more campiness and he didn't, he played it kind of straight and just let Fennell kind of do the finagling of all the, you know, kitschiness of the film. But he, he kind of kept it grounded for me personally. Yeah, I, I, number one, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about how this movie is divisive. I think in 10 years, this is going to be a camp classic. I, I sincerely think, I think people it are going to... a classic now. No, I, I think that's fair. Like, the way it's been reacted to, even though it is divisive and a lot of people hate it, I think a lot of people also really love it in that, and it's, it's going to be like, I don't know, midnight screenings or something in 10 years yeah. but um i do think that barry keoghan does a good job of making him somewhat sympathetic while also never not letting him be a pathetic little worm of a guy like he reminds me a little bit of leo dicaprio in killers of the flower moon who was also a um an actor who is deliberately very unglamorous even though they've been glamorous in other things um, mm -hmm. just being a really ugly little character and not flinching from that. And what I think is also great, because you're talking about Emerald Fennell, they do a great job of, in some scenes, Barry Keoghan is just this awkward little dweeb. He's just this repulsive little Cretan gremlin man. <laughs> and then in other scenes... <laughs> in other I scenes, quote you forever on that. <laughs> go right ahead. Um, in other scenes, he's also like the hottest motherfucker in the room. Like the the flip when he walks down to go like have this like dominant submissive thing with the sister, yeah. where she's like into it. Like he's shot like he's the hottest man on earth, and it works. Partly because also the sister is so into it, she is very willing to uh, go along with this game. Venetia, Venetia, yes, yes. Um. And then, honestly, like I almost kind of wanted him to just get with the sister instead. Like she it would was... have been so like his. It would have been so easy to get with her. She was yeah. down to clown. She oh, was 100%. totally into it. In a weird way, like their whole little scene is in in a very strange way, kind of wholesome because, like the scene before, he's like listening to the mother talk. The mother is talking such shit about her daughter. Like she's saying things to her son's friend. 
like, yeah, my daughter's been sexually incontinent since she was 14, which is just, like, horrific. And, like, oh, yeah, she, she's bulimic. She's anorexic. She's a huge slut. You know, she she's scaring all these men away because of how awful she is. So when he goes down and he's, like, having this whole flirty situation with her, he, he does this, like, dom-sub thing of, like, he's going to start giving her commands. But the commands are, like, you're going to eat all of your food and you're not going to throw it up. So he's like commanding yeah. her, but he's commanding her to take care of herself. And I could understand right. why she'd be like, okay, I'm into this. I it's will like, play along with your game. It's like a British version of the movie Secretary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna. It's going to be a dominant submissive relationship, but a lot of what I tell you is just going to be to drink a glass of water, take your iron <laughs> supplements. You know, go to get bed eight hours, eight hours of sleep. <laughs> you know, you know yeah, be nice I think to that's your friends. Point. Yeah. I also thought that the sister thing would work out and also maybe because again I'm ruined by Brideshead but that becomes a huge plot point in that story where the um, you know the middle class protagonist ends up in a sort of odd love triangle with his best friend um, who's the you know the destructive alcoholic who's also gay and uh, the sister who kind of has her own she wrestles Catholicism and it's a whole thing and it's never explicit that this that uh the character in Brideshead the protagonist is um bisexual or gay or anything although he definitely ha has friendships with gay men um and he it could be argued that he falls in some kind of love with the brother but he has a a legitimate consummated romance with the sister and at some point they kind of near get they almost get married and I just kind of thought that that would be the way that Saltburn goes um that you know suddenly it's like he falls out of favor with Felix all the while his the family starts to fawn over him and again think of him as the project or you know just this uh this sort of innocent um yeah, I, I guess it could have been easy, but she's also too much of a wild card. She's mentally ill. Like, he, maybe he couldn't trust that. I don't, I don't think that. No, I I don't think he, that factored into his treatment of her. But what I do with the sorry, you're talking about Brideshead revisited. The other there's another literary reference that get got brought up a lot in like interviews. Emerald Fennell talked about, and that was uh, Theseus and the Minotaur because they had the Minotaur mm -hmm. statue in the labyrinth. And I think oh, that's, wow, that's really subtle, symbolic work on her part. I'm glad she was able to work that in so elegantly. I'm sorry. You have seen a uh, promising young woman. Was there yeah, anything that subtle was also about a that not movie? good movie? Have you seen the second season of Killing Eve? Because that also no, sucked. I barely got through the first one. Yeah, I'm I would say Saltburn is my favorite thing that she's done. And even still, I'm pretty critical of it. God, yeah, that's I, like if someone burns your house down beats you half to death and drives your car off of a cliff and you're like well the car off the cliff is my favorite thing he's done <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i will say it's easier to love salt bird a little bit more I, I haven't actually watched killing eve um but it's a little bit easier to like love salt bird because promising young woman is dealing with such heavy subject matter and this is at least like dumb like it's stupid and it doesn't have to matter um <laughs> I think that's kind of the crux of what we're talking about here, right? Is like you and I, Catherine, have a tolerance for this film's trashiness, fully recognizing that it is trash. Whereas Brian 
it's just like I see what this movie is doing and I'm just not grokking it. Right. It's yeah. not for me. It's like the quintessential not for me. Also, what's weird is I saw people on the internet, uh, Twitter, saying like, all you need to know about Saltburn is that it takes place in 2006, but they're watching uh, <laughs> Super Bad or blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, uh... guys, like that's kind of pedantic. <laughs> but then time to pretend came on and i was like That's, this song okay. came out in 2007 i had the same <laughs> well, no, because reaction. it's the summer of 2007 yeah. no because yeah, this is so, 2006 because they no, graduated no, in no, no. 2006 no they're freshmen they're freshmen I'm, at school yeah. are they fucking freshmen they are yeah, 30 they're... years old <laughs> yeah they're 18 <laughs> i'm going to explain this everybody they are freshmen in 2006 and it does say welcome class of 2006 when they arrive however i have learned that in the uk classes go by the year you begin not the year you graduate so they are in fact starting in the year 2006 intended to graduate in the year 2009 they are essentially our age yeah i was gonna say that like robin this is our college years so it like <laughs> like when they're singing mr brightside in the car i was I like well i feel seen right yes uh, well, no, i felt I... cringe because i hate that song wow what I is wrong with you go fucking sit you in one of your tiny tubs <laughs> and slit your wrists with a tiny razor blade and I will not be listening to Mr. Brightside. Oh, speaking of millennial sad music and suicide, um, I got attacked on Twitter today because Good. someone posted some insane shit of like, the reason Taylor Swift is so popular is because she lets women know that their thoughts and feelings are universal. Like, oh, I'm not the only one who thinks like that. And then they ended their little uh... tweet with, do men have someone like that? And I said... Elliot Smith, he fucking killed himself. And the Elliot Smith trooper, truthers came for me. Oh, no. <laughs> and they posted police documents and oh, theories. No. They're like, this it was never ruled a suicide. It was un it was like they never came down on one way or it the other. His girlfriend oh, no. murdered him to like try to steal all his money. And I was like, I, guys, thing, but... it's a better story if he killed himself. Okay, anyway. I just I I take issue with quote unquote everything that taylor writes is universal like no it's not at all everything she writes is all about romance bullshit and breaking up and that's not universal for everybody yeah some people find love once and stick with it forever and they never know some heartbreak are... <laughs> and they never grow old some people are celibate like i don't know yes for Just all like the, the priests whole world the is audience. not about romance god yeah, there's plenty of sad people out there who never get into romance. See, I'm, I'm being I'm being quiet because if I fear anything in this in, on God's earth, it's Swifties. So, oh, I thought you were <laughs> I thought you were about to say asexuals. No, <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing more terrifying to me than a riled up asexual because they have nowhere else to put that energy because they do not fuck. I'm I'm sorry. It's just like. There's just maybe something you don't get about Saltburn, and that's that straight women love Saltburn. <laughs> straight women do oh, well. love Saltburn. Straight women want to see a man drink the cum drenched bathwater of another man. They want to see him fuck his grave. They do because we wrote the fanfics of that years ago. They want him about to about Harry and Drari and Draco and <laughs> Sirius and Remus. And can I just say, Remus okay, I first will... of all sounds like something that Sirius would do to Harry. 
<laughs> okay. That is heartbreaking. Oh, um, no. <laughs> for so many reasons. Like Can I say erasure. Yes, please. Dark Sorry, academia. One of the greatest Cut us up. <laughs> slash fic. Because one of the one of the reasons I did truly love this movie was the full theatrical experience of the whole thing. Is uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect when I saw this movie. I saw the trailers, but like when I was there on opening night, I was in a sold-out theater that mostly appeared to be queer couples on dates. And never have I felt worse for people that were clearly there on dates. At the Brooklyn Hill <laughs> Draft House? That's crazy to me. Then when I went to, like, Gone Girl, having read the book, oh. and I saw people holding hands walking That's into the theater. Ben Affleck! Yeah, I, you know, watching people leave this theater after having, I think, gone out with a boyfriend or girlfriend and i i hope that they had an interesting conversation okay, on the like, subway you know, ride de- home <laughs> depending on the relationship like that you could know what you're getting into like hey you want to go see this fucked up thing like that's sure. when i'm in a relationship that's like what my movie going experiences are and i'll still hold yeah, your hand because you i want to know... feel close to you but like sure but I, again i think what Catherine's saying is that normies don't know anything this is true this is don't know what night. they're getting into they don't understand the world that we're in. This actually, <laughs> this is true because I am the king of, I brought this girl to this movie and I don't think I properly prepared her for what it was about. <laughs> I did it with Closer once. Speaking of Jude Law. Oh. Um, I wanted to see Closer. Um, I was okay. really looking forward to Closer. I liked Damien Rice. And <laughs> we... <laughs> We what went you, like 16. That movie yeah. came out in 2004. Yeah, it, I was 16. It was like one of the first movies I drove myself to. Um, and I, so I go with this girl. Uh, she was like, What are you doing this weekend? I was like, Oh, I'm planning on going and seeing a movie. I'm gonna, I think I want to go see Closer. And she's like, Oh, really? That sounds fun. I was like, Do you want to come? And she was like, Yeah. And this is how I always fuck up. I do the, Do you want to come in a friendly way? And I, what I've accidentally done is initiated a date that I was not aware of. And so we go and see Closer, a movie that has Clive Owen screaming, have you ever seen a heart? It looks like a fist wrapped in blood. Um, and, and we leave and she's like, well, that was a good movie, but it was kind of weird for a date. And I think me freezing up and stopping walking <laughs> was the part where she's like, oh, was this not a date? I was like, I didn't Aww. intend it to be a date. We were friends still. It was good. She's passed away sadly she went to harvard oh. she died in a car crash um it's terrible yeah it was not awesome i was very sad when i learned that um and then in college this happened constantly constantly because someone would be like hey what are you doing and i'd be like oh i'm just gonna watch a movie alone in my in my dorm and she'd be like can i watch it and i was like uh yeah have you ever heard of elephant oh no <laughs> And then we uh, we watched the entirety of Elephant and she's like, it's, you know, it was a good movie, but I also, I kept expecting you to like make a move on me. I'm like, at which point during Elephant would you have wanted me to make a move on you? And then, you know, the movie's over. We're back at the DVD menu and she's like, well, do you want to make out now? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Sure. And then I think I did it with Atonement. And I think that's the last oh, time it happened. Fuck, man. <laughs> Well, again, well, atonement that, like, was I'm scene. I'm going into the the city to see a movie. Ooh, what movie? Oh, atonement. Oh, wow, that sounds interesting. Yeah, do you want to come? And again, the answer was yes. I thought nothing of it beyond that. Okay, but there are sexual elements in that movie that are pretty good. In atonement, 
Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That library scene. That green dress. The I green wish I dress. That. Her foot lifting out of that. Uh, man, his letter to her. Mm. That's a hot movie for like, mm-hmm. you know, 15 minutes. And then it becomes yeah, a fucking parade rough. of nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> um, Catherine, have you ever been on a weird movie date? I'm trying to remember. I, I know that when I was dating my college boyfriend, who you remember, you, you knew Peter from. Oh, school. I know Peter. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> during we'll bleep our- out his name. <laughs> <laughs> um, during our second Valentine's Day together, we watched Repo the Genetic Opera. In oh America. my God! Oh, yes. No. <laughs> okay. Honestly- wait. <laughs> Speaking of TikTok, an incredible <laughs> TikTok thing is people singing along to that song about Zydrate. Oh, that I song do. is a bop. I still that song is a bop song. like a motherfucker. I that that song it's gets stuck in my head for literally no stuck. reason. Surgery, surgery. Zydrate comes in a little glass vial. A little glass vial. <laughs> a little glass vial. Oh yeah, no. Goes into the gun like a battery. <laughs> and the Zydrate gun goes somewhere against, against your, your anatomy. anatomy. People, like, on TikTok, gonna... people on TikTok are always like, why is it that she responds with more confusion to a little glass vial than addicted to the knife? <laughs> he's like, you know, Zydrate comes in a little glass vial. She's like, a little glass vial? And he's like, Amber Sweet's addicted to the knife. She's like, oh, addicted to the knife? I'm going to be honest. If I like am like 90 years old and I've lost my mind, you could still probably recite those lyrics at me and I'm going to be able to respond. Like, okay, Grandma, you know, when I was a child, Zydrate came in a little glass vial. There was a woman named Paris Hilton, and we thought she was a big deal at the time. I think it was because she was in a sex tape. Uh, and was afraid of cows. She was on a reality show. Yes, that's why I threw in the afraid of cows thing. Uh, um, I, I don't know. She might have been very good with the livestock. I never watched that show. Uh, uh, anyway. Have we salt burned ourselves out? Oh, yeah. Wait, Catherine, you were telling us I don't want to rub salt burn in the wound. Hold oh. on. You were telling us about your weird movie dates. Oh, um, let me think. Oh, yeah. We kind of got yeah. sidetracked when we all started singing the Zydrate yeah. Anatomy so song. So you went to see uh, the Repo Man with Peter. No, Repo yeah, well, the well, Genetic Opera. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know I saw Pet Cemetery on a day, which was definitely a choice. Uh, Wait, not the mine. new one? Yeah, the new one. Um, yeah, and that one, that, that guy wound up being kind of, uh, he, he wasn't great, but at the same time, like, later I was reassuring myself, like, Catherine, you didn't want to keep dating him anyway, he talks during movies, so, like, it wasn't a good experience all around, because he's the kind of guy. at the movie theater? Yeah, yeah, this was in the theater. Mm. At Uh, home, it's fine. Yeah. Oh, I'm also remembering my other Valentine's Day movie when I was dating Peter, we watched The Wolfman. (laughs) So, you know, oh, wait, I, the, I the Guillermo I, del Toro? No, not Guillermo del Toro. Uh, uh, Benicio, Benicio del Toro. Del Toro. Yeah. yeah. Joe Johnson. Yeah, we, Is that yeah. the movie you talk about nonstop, Brian? Me? No. What? There's some movie from that. Oh, no. It's it's like the <laughs> Triple Tarzan Nine? movie. Wait, it's the what movie? It's like, Don't you talk about some Tarzan movie like a lot? The Rocketeer? Tarzan! <laughs> Like the Tarzan, one of the fucking Tarzans. They just Wait, like, like never Disney's Tarzan? 
No, not that one. There was like a two episode arc where I kept saying we were going to talk about Tarzan and like the Lost Empire or whatever, like the uh, the Peter Sarsgaard. Alexander Maybe, but you kept threatening to me with a Tarzan, and I was like, absolutely not. Because we were talking about Alexander, I think it must have been around the time of the Northmen, and I was like, mm. oh, like, you know, Alexander Skarsgård was the legend of Tarzan, and I kept making fun uh, of the fact that we were going to watch it, and you kept okay. freaking out because you thought I was serious. Yes, Peter Skarsgård is Tarzan would <laughs> be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Skarsgård. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, prefer as Alexander. You could do it. What about Stellan? How would he feel about aged about Stellan Skarsgård Tarzan? <laughs> Bill's my favorite. <laughs> Bill's pretty great. I'm yeah. very much looking forward to Bill Skarsgård in Nosferatu. That's going to be I great. Know. Oh, I know. Yeah, he's such wonderful. a scream queen. Yeah. Oh, he's... that. Everything about that and then also from Saltbird, Jacob Bellorty is Frankenstein's monster. Um, I'm very excited for both of those films and the return of giving like really, uh, really auteur directors, universal horror movies and saying, go get them, have fun. And have them be absolute flops. Don't break my heart, Robin. I mean, (laughs) listen, it happens. Robin, don't, don't hurt me. (laughs) Listen, Invisible Man did fine. Invisible Man was Tom Cruise's mummy. Oh God! Yeah, but they gave it to Guillermo del Toro and uh, Robert Eggers, and they went. Robert Eggers hasn't had a bad movie yet, has he? Like uh, not this. The Lighthouse is not I a like that home movie. run, but it's like a double. It's a standing yeah. double. Yeah, because he he did that, The Witch and The Northman, and like I don't think yeah. I don't think Northman made money, but like people liked but it. But it's fucking great. Yeah, that's a great movie. Also, they released it on Peacock, and I think it like did really well when it was streaming. So things that do well when people don't have to pay money for them, is that really a hit? And I think that's a question of Saltburn. Like, is this movie Yeah, that's an interesting question. An I mean, actual like, hit? To the to the the company that just needs to feel like people are watching the things they're producing, like maybe. I will say I think it got screwed a little bit by the SAG strike because Emerald Fennell had to do all this like press and she's literally saying, I really didn't want to be the person that had to do all the interviews promoting it, but because this is when it's getting released. It's me, so I'm the only one here. And now that it's on Prime, now they can actually have um, yeah, they can have the actual actors promoting it. So that might have had part of it. I I totally agree with you. And the movie made twenty million, and it's not good. Yeah. But it's the movie that people can't more than shut it deserved to make. Sure, Dan. <laughs> oh God, Dan! Did you just oh, call Dan. me Dan? <laughs> Whoa, where'd that come what from? What the shit? Oh, I think I was supposed to say sure Jan, and it just is this a, okay. Sure, yeah. I was about to say, is this an Aaron Sorkin movie? And we just finally broke through during our. Oh, I just have like my mom's flashback brain, riddled my psychiatrist name, department. The cat name, <laughs> but there is no Dan. No, it was supposed to be sure Jan, and I was also going to hiccup. So, uh huh. Well, whatever, man. Yes, whatever, man. Indeed. Oh, can why the fuck is this movie in Academy ratio? Is this some like thing that you have to understand if you have a penis? No, it's a it's the square. Uh huh. I don't care. Why is the aspect? Okay, you just don't want to talk about the aspect ratio. No, it's not that. It's just like men just 
can't shut up about aspect ratio. I don't understand it. I've never heard <laughs> this is isn't like the difference between <laughs> Cinerama and about aspect ratio. I'm but sorry. it's a square. I mean, like that's not normal in these modern You're times. You're a square. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I am shocked that you are actively opposing this line of questioning. I'm actively opposing anything to do with aspect ratio, I think. It is a fucking part of the aesthetics of this movie, Robin. You can't just Yeah, say you, you haven't said one thing about, about the gorgeous cinematography. Yeah, and why did they choose to cut off the sides? What do you, is it like trying to say something about the myopia of the rich or Oliver's single-mindedness? Like, I don't know. Someone say something. Uh, I mean, I know the DP is, I mean, like the DP, I forget his name. I know he, he is very visual and has created very gorgeous visuals for other films. I'm sure there was a logic, but I'm literally Googling Salt Burn Academy ratio right now. <laughs> <laughs> to see if they talked about it. Hang on. The, er the eerie reason Salt Burn was shot in 4-3 ratio. Ooh, oh, look, there's an a eerie reason. reason. Yeah, give me Acor this according to to uh, according to Screen Rant. <laughs> Hang on, because they keep saying she has a good reason. Okay, so she. Oh said, yeah, but Screen Rant will really drip that shit out for a long time. Yeah, I'm like four paragraphs in. Um, so it's because she wanted to make it look like you were looking into the window of a dollhouse. Oh fuck that! God damn. It. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. Oh, but you know, if we if I we're love looking miniatures and <laughs> I want a tiny tub. I was about to say that does make it feel like that tub belongs in a dollhouse, which I know makes Robin excited. <laughs> I get the little tingles. Okay. Okay. Oh jeez. God damn. Uh, I'm fucking upset with Robin right now. <laughs> the little tingles, <laughs> Daddy Milk, or whatever the fuck. <laughs> Go drink your daddy milk. No. <laughs> Why? All right. We're tired. I, I really <laughs> feel especially like silly for the fact that before this started recording, I asked if I was allowed to curse. Yeah. Oh, girl. <laughs> Again, also really <laughs> tips your hand that you were lying when you said you'd listened to a couple of episodes before. I listened to Barbarian, Killers of the Flower Moon, and Oppenheimer. <laughs> I oh, so I like controversial. Yeah, controversial. no. Yeah, I I, I like said all of six words during Oppenheimer. Mm. Um, Barbarian was a good talk though. That was fun. I loved Barbarian. That's, That's a good speaking movie. of speaking of Peter Sarsgaard, right? Yeah, Bill. Whatever. There's too many Sarsgaards <laughs> and Sarsgaards. Bill. Bill. <laughs> All right. Um, I think again, once again, we're salt burnt out. Um, do we have any final we thoughts about this out. film? One, one thing. I mean, this is tiny. I'm not going to go on at length about it. I, having now watched it on Amazon Prime, what I could watch with subtitles on, I, I do think I actually liked the movie more that now that I could pick mm. up stupid little details like when he's talking in the opening monologue, they play uh, a piece of music that I forget the name of. That is the coronation music they play at every king's coron. Is Zadok the priest? Oh yeah, Zadok the priest, which is the coronation anthem for every British king, which I thought was neat. And then the other is like at the very, very beginning, he's at the academic counselor's office, and he's reading off like an academic analysis of this poem called "My Last Duchess," um, which is a poem by Robert Browning. This is about this man who 
was married to a woman. He's showing off a portrait of his late wife. And he talks about his late wife would always smile whenever she walked in, whenever he walked into the room, but he hated her because she smiled at everyone who walked into the room and he got so jealous that he probably murdered her. And I'm like, oh, that's just the whole movie. You're reading a poem mm-hmm. and then used that for the movie. But well, again, that's... isn't that slapping us in the face with breadcrumbs? Yeah. But it's like... just like leaving whole baguettes. Yeah, it's the, it's not a breadcrumb. It's a fucking slice. It's like when I so I I was I there's a scene. I think it's the scene where he like looks in, and like sees that like uh, Felix is like hanging out with a bunch of people at the pub when he said he couldn't hang out or whatever, and then he goes and like makes out with that like four foot tall girl, and uh, and the the song that's playing is "Hang Me Up to Dry," and so I like looked it up because I was like, oh, I love this song. I don't remember what it is, and it says. And so I go to the Wikipedia page because I shazammed it and then I looked it up and it was also this was released in. Oh, no, it says re-release. It was released in January of 20, uh, 2007. So, again, I think maybe the right time frame. But it says, hey, we have to try is a song by American indie rock band Cold War Kids. Blah, blah, blah. Lyrically, the song tells the story of a one sided relationship. And uses the action of hanging wet clothes on a clothesline as a metaphor for that relationship. And I was like, oh my God, seriously? <laughs> All the And then, you know, like, oh, the, the, they, we're going to play Time to Pretend by MGMT. Because aren't we all just pretending as we enjoy oh, the riches my. and the wealth? And well, I just and, and wanted to fucking stop the movie. Just, you know, like including uh, Mr. Brightside about jealousy, turning saints into the sea and all. Yeah. I, I love Mr. Brightside. I, I think it's a great song. But I love Mr. Brightside need, too. But if you need a song about jealousy, it is admittedly the song. Right. Oh, um, you want to talk about someone who's coming out of his cage and doing just fine? Uh, no, he wants it all. <laughs> He's got to gotta be down because he wants it all. Started out with a kiss, a but how did it end up like this? Oh, and, and one other, just because this is also very on the nose because we were talking about like very baguettes of crumbs or whatever that we were talking about Theseus and the Minotaur. Um, so in the, okay. In, in the myth of Theseus and the Minotaur, the Minotaur is in the labyrinth, but he gets there because uh, the Minotaur's sister gives him the thread to get through the labyrinth. And so on the night that that happens, the sister is wearing a dress that's made of cobwebs or like has like a cobweb design. Right. It's that spider web diamond lace whatever because yeah because she's the one who gives him the thread like a spider's thread to to lead the way and she calls him spider-man later and i'm like oh because of the thing right and that's also why it's midsummer night's dream because theseus is a character in midsummer night's dream it's like oh okay we're and felix has the wings because he's such an angel and he's got (laughs) horns because he's a devil but also a satyr maybe (laughs) but also just horny like uh. farley's got a donkey's head because he's an ass he's an ass (laughs) again we're all reading the same movie in the same exact way it's just who who is on its wavelength i just like do you think that the movie knows how fucking dumb it is like because if it does then i I can kind of give it something but my impression is that the movie feels quite pleased with itself the the movie absolutely thinks it is the most clever (laughs) most deliciously intelligent thing that had ever existed Mm, incredible Mm. (laughs) yeah um i would just want to say one final thought for me is that i loved rosamund pike in this movie 
she definitely was in my top supporting actor um, list th this year. And I would be delighted if Tuesday morning she ended up netting an award because I thought she was um, so wonderfully rancid in this. And again, Carrie Mulligan, maybe the best performance I've ever seen her do. It probably says more about Carrie Mulligan than it does about my taste. Um, she's just fantastic and hilarious and pathetic in this. And uh, yeah, just loved her so much more in those two scenes than the entirety of her performance and the entirety of the film Maestro. Oh, I was about, I thought you were going to say Promising Young Woman. Did we ask Catherine what she thought of Promising Young Woman? Um, I Did mean, you like it? I liked it. I wouldn't, it, this is another one where if you start listing off a lot of complaints about it being very obvious and heavy handed and, uh, you know, had being kind of unsatisfying at points, I'm not going to disagree, but I, I liked it for the most part. I disagree with a lot of people who I think attack some aspects of the message of it because I don't I've seen a lot of criticism of it from people online saying that the movie is wrong because it tries to paint women as complicit in this culture that it's attacking and I don't think that's I don't think that's inaccurate mm -hmm. um I think women can be complicit in um in in a culture that allows things like that to happen that being said if you were like yeah this movie was dumb obvious and blunt I'm like yeah you're not wrong <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, that's why i think it's easier for me to love saltburn because it is not trying to tackle something that heavy like yeah i'm with you dumb as hell and that's fine with me <laughs> yeah it, yeah I, I it didn't feel like a thesis for it yeah <laughs> like says, being so tacky and knowingly tacky going for it. Right. Yeah. It's such a bullshit, uninteresting, <laughs> lame <laughs> plot that it doesn't really matter that it's done poorly. You're not like trying to wrestle with like the place of like women and rape culture and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, no, there's these rich people and they're hot. And there's this like <laughs> weird yeah. gremlin looking motherfucker who's obviously trying to murder them all. <laughs> oh, I wasn't supposed to know that. My bad. <laughs> you know I... but like it, he becomes like... such a weird demented imp at the end of this movie that i was like did he get a coke habit at some point and apparently he did because when he's dancing <laughs> around that's like the worst part of this movie is like what? in the last 12 seconds he becomes a completely different character and not that in a way the of best like part uh, uh, if, uh, uh, uh. Oh, that's uh, the thing that elevated a full half star for me. That is fucking bananagrams. I cannot understand. The movie that. went from like B minus to like B plus. This movie is like a C minus in a mercy way, just because I don't want to have to <laughs> deal with you after class with you asking for extra help. Like that's. <laughs> you just want to pass the pass it to oblivion. Yeah. You'll figure it out next year, maybe. <laughs> oh, I will say, because I, I love the dance sequence. I especially love the dance sequence now that I read online what the original ending was supposed to Wait, be. Wait, what oh, was it going to be? Oh, tell me, tell me. Okay. T, T, T. Okay, so um, relatively early in the movie, he goes down to get breakfast with the family. Mm -hmm. And, like, he... Oh, like, they, they tell him he has to ask for eggs, and he asks for them over easy, and then he's like, 
being snooty to the butler like oh I don't really like runny eggs I just have a thing about that you know can you just send them back um which I at the time I was like I don't understand the purpose of this but whatever um apparently the original ending was he kills Rosamund Pike by very graphically yanking out her ventilator tube um and instead of dancing around he goes to have his first breakfast as the lord of the manor and the servants are all still there but the butler defiantly gives him runny eggs to eat to show that he refuses to accept his authority. And, and I'm like, oh, I hate that. Well, no, that would have ha- like, that would have depended on me, me dick dance, remembering the fact that he didn't exactly. like those fucking eggs. Exactly. Also, who say, orders like, over easy and is then pissed off the eggs are runny? Order them I over hard he, if that's your goddamn problem. Didn't he order them over medium and they were runny or something? No, I think it was over easy, but it was like a power play because the oh. butler was being like a, a dick to him. And also they didn't know what over easy actually meant. But it's also a shit power oh. play because he was like, uh, uh, meh, I mean, uh, I don't really like, uh, I just don't like it. Uh. No, that's okay, why I think no, the, the ending would have been terrible if they had done that. Yeah, this one's bonkers and completely out of fucking left field, but at least and it's that's got was like, that going it, for it. It was just angelic. Yeah. Totally angelic. I He's mean, got the that's... stones. Apparently, he like went to the bottom of the lake to get all the family stones. Yeah. Oh, right. What yeah. a bullshit. Whatever. Yeah, what a fucking stupid. <sighs> I love its stupidity. Yeah. I can't. Like, let's... I'm over. I just like, I, again, I was just, it's like, I was watching this movie and I was like, this is what's driving people insane. This is, you know, but again, it's like, it's totally subjective and that's what criticism is. But, you know, you look at a movie like Annette, which I'm sure like a million people were like, that movie is so friggin' dumb and stupid. And like, and that's what they loved about it. And I was just like, no, I'm not, this is too, this is too stupid for me. Like, so, I get that everybody has a little bit different tolerance or threshold for the stupidity that they can handle and maybe the flavor of stupidity. And I will say, like, I think at least, number one, I think it's like a fun stupidity, or at least, again, to my niche tastes. I think also, part of why I think there's such a big reaction to it is there is, um, you know, a star from a popular television show on this. when you consider how sterile a lot of mainstream film is, particularly like, I don't know, the Marvel movies or, you know, this, this may not be the most shocking movie I've seen, but I'm willing to go see weird movies. I admittedly like the movie that this reminded me of sometimes was Titan, that French movie about the woman with the car. (laughs) Oh yeah. That was fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, But like, yeah, but like how many people have watched Titan? (laughs) on Amazon Prime. So I kind of get why this is causing such a fervor because it broke through the popularity boundary and now people are seeing this deranged thing with so many bodily fluids getting spewed <laughs> everywhere. Like, I understand why it's hitting a chord because it broke through while a lot of stuff that might be willing to go there that might be more artsy or tasteful or at least high-minded so far hasn't. Yeah. Well, okay. That's the best True way to possibly final end thoughts. This. I did mine. Catherine, I think you did yours. Brian, I don't want you to have the last word, so now we're going to move no, on. No, that's why I just <laughs> said I think that's the perfect way to end this. Okay, good. Oh, I missed that. Wow, cuz you never we, who whose grandmother broke her hip this time that you had to take a text message. <laughs> Rude.
No, I just want to talk over you. It's good. Oh, okay. That's that's better yeah. than answering texts. It's a dumb play. <laughs> <laughs> Did I use that correctly? <laughs> uh kind of not really but you know um speaking enough. of doms so we know that desantis uh is into it's sunday night desantis has exited the race <laughs> where the I fuck did, is this going <laughs> and i did we did tweet that called him a meatball sub <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was great anyway on that what beautiful does that have to note, do with being a dom oh because of a sub yeah like basically he's like a cook yeah okay but he's meatball ron so he's a meatball sub I, what is meatball you know what i'm so you happy know that meatball I ron been, is? no um, i have not been paying attention to this election at all okay you probably fear better yeah 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 i mean why you know if i know that someone is coming to murder me with an axe i'm not going to keep checking his you know current <laughs> location on my his iphone <laughs> i'm gonna try to enjoy the the life that i have until he shows up at my door Oh, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. Um, okay, we <laughs> so, are finished. Yay, it's over. Um, Catherine, it's been a pleasure having you. Oh, thank you for having me. This this has been a lot of fun. I'm this glad a to really hear that. Fun episode. Um, Robin Barr. Speaking of fun episodes, what are we talking about next time? Well, I think you and I should get that squared away before we announce it. Okay then. You know? <laughs> Not trying to be cryptic. It's just like I know we've had some discussion about what should be next week, so I don't. No, want to... I thought what the discussion was what should be the week after next week. Okay, so we so the next film on our roster is All of Us Strangers. All of Us Strangers. Okay. Yes. So there everyone, get hyped! All six of you who've seen this movie, be very excited. <laughs> um. So yes, we'll be talking about All of Us Strangers. Excited to do that. Um. Do we have a guest for that? Working on it. Working on it. Robin's going to get us a great guest. I can feel it in my bones. And I've just put you up on a very high pedestal, so don't fall off. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Filmstage Show. Don't forget to email us podcast at filmstage.com. Don't forget to give us your money by going to patreon.com slash the Filmstage Show. And don't forget to get your free 30-day trial subscription to Mubi by going to movie.com slash Filmstage. Again, that's M-U-B-I dot com slash film stage uh let's tell the fine people where we can be found between now and the next time that we are talking about a movie with them uh Catherine, do you, do you want to plug your social media do you want a bunch of strangers to come and find you uh i mean you know what if you listen to this and you're like i want to hear this girl talk more about films and television and probably the upcoming uh talented mr ripley miniseries that i believe is coming out soon <laughs> what uh, on yeah. stars or something oh. andrew scott is gonna be ripley oh that Ooh. immediate crater of interest never mind <laughs> fuck that uh, wow you just don't like hot priests you just like young popes i have yeah i will i love a young pope a hot priest not so much i actually never saw fleabag so you know she's your type i think um okay <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Anyhow. so Heather, if people, if other people than me are interested in hearing your thoughts on that, where can they find yeah. you? They can find me uh, on Twitter at backwards underscore chic, C H I C. Yeah, uh, the otherwise, uh, that's that's really that's really it. I'm not a professional. I'm just here to have fun. All right, <laughs> Robin Barr, what about yourself? 
Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. I'm also on Letterboxd. I also want to plug that I rate out of four on Letterboxd, so I'm not <laughs> as mean as you think I am. And yeah, you can f- sometimes find my writing at the Hollywood Reporter. All right. As for me, I can be found at all social media sites at Brian J. Rowan. Find out more about the whiskey that I make at inkwellwhiskey.com. And, of course, you can find every episode of this year's podcast, as well as more of my writing, over at thefilmstage.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next time. Yeah.